castle, an undiscovered creature climbing on the mountainside. Welcome everyone to Sacramento, California, the Arco Arena Royal Rumble 1993 in the Legacy Series. This is an event that captures a wrestling promotion in flux. This is not the golden era, make no mistake about that, but it is not quite the new generation. It is a company and a show. Sometimes when you look at it, you almost would not know that it's the WWF. And yet in the announce booth, I don't know if it's for the last time ever on pay-per-view or not, but you have Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan. So there's that familiarity. They do some amazing work. But almost everything else is almost anybody's guess. Who's going to win the Royal Rumble? Anybody's guess. Who's going to win Razor and Brett? Anybody's guess. Uh, we got Steiners and Beverly Brothers. We got Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty. This is a show that before I talk it out and even figure out what I think, I would almost say it seemed worse in theory. It seemed better on paper. And it was what it was. So welcome to the Royal Rumble 1993. I am the mystic and I am joined by my friend and co-host by God, my learned colleague. He is Mr. Ms. Fan, the brain. Greetings, Ms. Fan fans. We are in that red, red year of 1993 and it is the Royal Rumble. As always, one of my favorite events on the WWF calendar. I will say, if nothing else, this looks on paper, like one of the most stacked cards that we will talk about. It is the Steiners and the Beverly Brothers. It is Michaels and Janetti, that iconic feud. It is Bossman and Bigelow. It is Ramon and Brett. And it is a Royal Rumble and the debut of Lex Luger. Will it live up to what it is on paper, or will it be less than the sum of its parts? I don't know either. I gotta hash it out as we go along, but it's definitely going to be a very interesting show to talk about here. This is an event, I think almost the entirety of WCW and WWF, the Legacy Series, I would think. I wish I could be a child again and watch this, or either I feel like a child watching this. This is one where I think I would have rather been an adult, because... I didn't know enough about wrestling to know how wide open this Royal Rumble match was. Mm. Would I have ended up disappointed at the end of the night? Perhaps. I don't know. I, I can't fully say. But I don't think as a child I could understand. Just you know, coming from what Hacksaw wins, Hulk Hogan wins, Hulk Hogan wins. This is a wide open Royal Rumble. Yeah, it really uh, is probably more than any we've seen so far, except maybe one of the earliest ones where uh, it sort of didn't matter who won. But, yeah, who will go on to face Bret Hart? Well, Bret Hart will face anybody that's uh, kind of the core of his whole championship reign. And we got a lot of big names in here. We got a lot of big names from the past that aren't in here either. You know, uh, there's no Hogan to make things obvious. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's just a very different feeling uh, we have very much passed on. We are still in flux. We're maybe not fully in the new generation yet, but we have decisively passed on from that world of 1992, I think. Absolutely. We are completely gone from that. I think if Hogan did not come back and win the world title and then lose it at King of the Ring, 
then maybe we would say we are in that next era. But for some reason, until we get past that, <laughs> even though everything before, during, and after is kind of still into what's coming, I don't know how you say that when that's still to come. Right, that's definitely looming over everything. It, it doesn't feel real right now. Like, that can't be a real thing that's happened with the direction they've gone, with the way the company is going. It just seems unimaginable right now that they're going to go back to Hogan, especially in such a weird way, and especially when he's looking the way he's going to be looking. <laughs> I wonder what the mood is uh, at this Royal Rumble, because I, I have never seen a show that deals exactly with this, but like I said, on paper, okay, so I, I said I think that this would have been worse in theory because people think about this as a low time, and so in theory, I have not really been looking forward to this, especially since I've never really watched it, which usually means there's a reason for that, but then when you talked about the card, it seemed like an amazing card, but then when... There's something I love in theory about a very open Royal Rumble, but there were times in the match where I felt like this is the consequence of having nobody that could possibly win this thing. <laughs> uh, I know just what you mean. I mean, we'll get into all of it as we go along. But uh, what? At one point, the only people in the ring are like uh, IRS and Damien Demento or something, and yeah. you're like, like in the middle, it's just like those two, and you're like, hmm, no, <laughs> like this is yeah. not, this is, there's nothing royal about this. <laughs> a year ago, that probably would have been about the time that Flair cleaned out the uh, ring and Roddy Piper came out next. Right, right, yeah, I like we'd be getting onto something uh, a little more exciting, and there, you know, I do like this Rumble. Um, there's hardly any Rumbles I don't like, uh, but um, it's. Uh, there's something about it, yeah. It's not it's not one of the best rumbles I think that you'll ever see, and there there are reasons for that that we will get into. I also don't know. I know you talked about a WWF going from blue to red, but mm-hmm. I don't fully know what the vibe of this rumble like. Or, and I don't even mean the rumble match, but just the whole show. Like I can't quite get my arms around. This is WWF, right? This is. This doesn't even feel like Survivor Series, which doesn't feel like Royal uh, SummerSlam. <laughs> it's very strange. I don't know how to articulate it either, but I know I think what you mean. Um, it feels like we've entered into like a different company or something. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know when we'll get that feeling back. Uh, I don't think it'll be at WrestleMania because that's a super weird event. Um, maybe at SummerSlam? I don't know. Like this whole little period feels like if there were like an off-brand WWF that was like a little bit lesser. I don't know. Like I say that, but then again, I'm going to talk positively about a lot of things on this card. So I don't know. It's just a very strange feeling. I wonder if, if, if someone is to say that until diesel becomes heavyweight champion <laughs> and maybe even through that, like if you, if you wanted to go all in on Bret Hart and say from the time he beat Ric Flair until whatever time in the future, maybe 96, 97, that he is really the guy. Like, I wonder if that's the way to catch up the red, because um, at King of the Ring, you know, he's going to win King of the Ring, and then he's going to start having, according to a lot of people, the best match on the card, even when he's not given the opportunity. Then he's going to have that rising feud with Owen starting in November. You know, it's going to lead up to WrestleMania 10. 
Whereas if you're watching from the main event level, then, you know, what is this? Um, who was champion at Survivor Series? Was that Flair or Brett? Brett. And then uh, mm-hmm. you're going to have Hogan champion, Yoko champion, Luger challenging, Undertaker challenging. So I don't know how much stability you're going to get in the main event. So maybe I'm not even saying I'm going to do this or I agree with this, but I don't know if Bret Hart is the most consistent thread in this era or if there's other ways to look at it. I don't know either. Yeah, once you get past 93, it's a bit mysterious to me. But uh, I will say I am looking forward to uh, one piece of stability in that main event. Once we do put Hogan away once and for all, we are going to have that nice long Yokozuna run. And maybe that will uh, provide some more stability for us in our uh, viewing picture here. Absolutely. Were you surprised at all about who's in the booth for this show? I was, actually. I forgot that Hina Monsoon got this chance, and this may be uh, their last chance. I'm not sure, but uh, it's certainly one of the last times we'll hear Hina and Monsoon together, and yet they uh, they do a wonderful job, as always. Yeah, I don't know fully who we get. I know Vince McMahon is at SummerSlam, and he might be at Survivor Series. I have no idea who's at King of the Ring, but I think Jim Ross might be at WrestleMania and King of the Ring. So as far as the two of them by themselves, I don't think we'll get another pay-per-view like this. I don't think so, yeah. I could be wrong, but um, definitely Jim Ross incoming. Going to use a lot of Randy Savage. Definitely going to use some more Vince McMahon. So uh, it'll be it'll be a, a lot of different combinations and not this. Perhaps the best combination that we have heard, and that uh, that's a shame, but we're going to enjoy it uh, one last time. So question, and you can answer this or now, later, or not at all, but 100% happy with the winner of the Royal Rumble, or would you have considered anyone else? Uh, I definitely, I feel like they had the right uh, final two. The only other guy I would have considered, really, is Randy Savage to win this. Mm -hmm. I think you could have made something great out of that as well. Um Anyone else, uh, I don't really see it. You know, there there are guys I like in the Rumble. You know, you've got your Undertakers. you got Ric Flair still in there uh, for one more night. Um, even uh, the Iron Man of this match, Bob Backlund, I'm a big fan of, but obviously you're not going to go with him. Um, so, yeah, realistically, out of the winners, I think it had to be one of those two. Even though it feels wide open, I, I don't really see a strong argument for, for anyone besides those two. That's a great point. I think they've already. It's, the funny thing is, Hogan's going to get so much heat for not putting over Bret Hart. You've got Randy Savage, who was the number two in that era, and, you know, he wouldn't. Not only would he, but he wants to put over Bret Hart. Right. There's zero desire to have that match. So we. And he is. Randy Savage no longer has his knee injury, but he will continue to be a wrestler who just lays on the mat the entirety of his experience. <laughs> and, like, that is so insulting. We know that they could just, like, say two nice words to him and he could be the Randy Savage mm. that we all want. And I don't know, maybe they're not looking at Bret Hart as a guy that could be the guy because they only put the belt on him for you know other reasons and they're going to have Yoko take it from him. So we all, we've talked so much about maybe the problem is Randy Savage and they don't want him to be like they've, they've moved on, but Hogan's going to win the belt. So have they really moved on from the past? You know, maybe part of the problem is that they would not want to put Bret Hart over on that level. So I don't know. It's so strange. I can't imagine 
what is being thought backstage at this time. I don't know if it's the stress of the steroid trial blowing up or just Vince McMahon, like, buffoonery. I don't know how else to say it, but it feels like there is no long-term plan right now because they're going to put Yokozuna over. They're going to make him champion uh, for five seconds. I don't know if that was already the plan or not. I don't know if they're already thinking of Hogan. Um, Mm. I hope not, but maybe. But this is a company that definitely wants to have, like, a top long-term baby face, and I don't think they think it's Brett, and obviously they don't want to use Savage anymore. So I don't even know, like, who they're thinking of. Lex Luger already, based on what we saw, I don't think so. I don't think Luger is the plan at this point on this show. So I don't know what they're thinking. I feel like they're winging it, and they're like, well, we'll figure it out later, and that... It's not going to work out too well when we get to WrestleMania. Yeah. I think, too, whether it's the front of the brain or the back of the brain, it's uh, – and I don't know where – I, I really just need to sit down and look at the steroid thing one day and see, mm-hmm. like, what are the dates? Because are, are we still in that? Are we just oh, in yeah. that? Are we towards the end of that? That dragged but, on and on and on. You know, I think in 92 it kicked up, maybe 91 even, but definitely 92. And then it won't be over till. 94, 95 even, maybe? Wow. Like, it dragged on and on and on. Because it, it, it partly feels like we just need to put together, we need to just scotch tape this until we can get back to world champions that look like world champions again. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, that's totally the vibe. It's like, it's very chaotic. Like, somebody's mind is not on this the way it should be. Yeah, we'll talk about it throughout the night. Um, I, I'm going to throw some some wild ideas out there at times just for my own amusement. And, you know, this is, again, the rise of the NWA for better and worse. Like, Lex Luger's on, is Lex Luger's here, Eligante is here, the Steiner brothers are here. So not only is it weird because WWF is, they're using their own stars that they would not usually use at a higher level, but then they're bringing in all these WCW guys. So you really do just have a strange concoction here. Mm-hmm. And uh, we kick off with, I think, a match that we were both very excited for, which is the Beverly Brothers from WWF versus the incoming Steiner Brothers. Indeed. And this is the weird thing, too, with the steroids, because how can you... <laughs> why does Vince McMahon have to be a skeleton, but you still got Scott Steiner here looking, um, you know, yeah. not as freakish as he will, but it's so weirdly selective. Uh, just so we have our, our dates right, I'm looking it up. 1991... Uh, Dr. Zahorian um, gets convicted, and he was the guy tied to uh, to Vince McMahon and all that stuff. And then, yeah, it like went on, and uh, July of 94 is when he was finally acquitted. So we are wow. definitely deep into all that, into the anticipation. It's got to be hanging over everybody's head here, so... And then he still makes Diesel champion after that. Right, like, it's not even a thing anymore. I don't, yeah, so... <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> Oh, that's heartbreaking. Oh, my gosh. Okay. This is the hardest thing when we get into eras that I don't enjoy as much. Is I want to redo it rather than like, watch it and talk about it. <laughs> well, we have the experience. We did WCW, so we will uh, cope however we need to. Um, we do have Steiners and Beverly's. We have no genius anymore with the Beverly's, which is fine, honestly. Um I don't know about you, I was really looking forward to this, and 
I don't know if on paper this is the best match, but I think in execution this may be my favorite match of the night. I think this is just some beautiful tag team wrestling. I understand why folks like the Steiners are not in WWF, what they are in other companies, but God, they're still the Steiners, and they're up against the Beverlies, who are great and underappreciated, and uh, this is just a match that really appealed to me in my particular kind of wrestling fandom. It's one of two of my favorite matches. I don't know. I'll think about it. Um, it definitely had some spots in the match that were as, were as good as my wildest expectation. <laughs> I miss Gary Michael Capetta because I like his Rick Steiner, Scott Steiner, the Steiner brothers. And I think Fink was going to do Rick and Scott, the Steiner brothers, but there's a quick roll in and he always gets Rick and Scott before he <laughs> has to flee the ring. <laughs> Well, we'll be glad uh, in a later era they would have had their name deleted, probably. So we can be glad for that, at least. In this era, they could have as well. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. They tried to make Luger. Even It's so weird because Luger is the one that forced them to use Lex Luger. But still, they're trying to call narcissists and the narcissists, like, you know, they're still actively at the same time trying to do some of that. Yeah, it's not gelling well from the start here so uh we'll, we'll look at that shortly on here um man that uh, okay i'm gonna leave my comments <laughs> for that but um uh I'll, I'll, i've discovered this with myself um for so long Vince McMahon would push um untalented guys who were either very big or very muscular or both and i think he did it to the point where a lot of folks maybe are just turned off entirely to people who are big, people who are muscular, that kind of stuff. But I I never felt that way exactly. So what you have in this match is you have this incredibly muscular, strong team in the Steiners. You know everything they can do. You have these big guys in the Beverly Brothers. And, man, like, they're all quick. They can all throw each other around. They can just do stuff that other people cannot do. Like, to me, this match really pops, and I had a great time watching this. Yeah. It's appealing for the wrestling ability and just for the styles. Like I said, you got a brother group from one place and a brother group from another. Um, I don't know. I'm not an amateur wrestling guy, but anytime I see, like, the single leg in wrestling, it's usually someone grabs the leg that's bent at the knee and tilts the person over. Scott goes for a single leg, and I think one of the Beverly's grabs the ropes, and then he's just holding the guy's leg, like, over it, straight over his head for, like, the longest time. You probably he could just, like, take that leg off of the body uh, if, if he felt like it. <laughs> and beat him with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Like, that's the vibe of the Steiners. We're in... Uh, some people say the Steiners were best um, kind of before this, and maybe they're already not what they were. I don't know if I agree with that. It's possible... Because Peak Steiners, like, 91 era are just so good. But, like, I watch this, and I, I don't know. Steiners may be my favorite tag team ever. I mean, they're up there anyway with Midnight Express or anybody. Because the things they can do, the vibe that they have, I just, I never get tired of watching the Steiners. Man, I know that so much of this comes from the eras most of the time that we come from. But I never said the Steiners were my favorite team but from the day I started watching wrestling, I said they were the greatest tag team of all time. <laughs> no, I don't know how you, you're better than them because in one way they're so in sync that they could be the same person like in their Steiner brother, Michigan stuff. And then they're so different in their styles, you know, so 
I don't know. I, I've never seen anything like them. I do, from my personal opinions, I uh, there's a there's an old country Toby Keith song that says, "I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was." <laughs> and I think you can find any era where the Steiners are as good once as they ever were. But I think that sometime before this, I would have to say my favorite, or I think their best run would probably exist. That's probably fair, but um. I'll just say this. If they're past their prime here, then you just have to think about how great their prime was, because I still think they might be the best thing on this card. Um, It's unbelievable what the Steiners can do. Like, who can keep up with these guys? You want a team that is strong, you will find no stronger team. You want a team that is fast, they're they're damn fast. You want a team that can grapple on the mat, like, good luck to uh, grapple over them. You want a team that can, like, jump off the top rope and, like, innovate high-flying moves. Well, let me introduce you to the most terrifying Frankensteiner you'll ever see in this match. So, like... They can do everything. It's unbelievable what these guys can do. Like, I still don't think it probably would have worked out to go with Scott as, like, the new world champion just because, like, he's got some other stuff. But just watching him in the ring, you can understand, I think, why they would think that because it is unusual to see a wrestler who pops so much physically the way Scott Steiner does here. That last note is in, or that last comment is in my notes as well as where I still wouldn't go with Scott to win the Rumble, but I can see why that would be a conversation. Yeah. Um, and then you said it way better than I did because even as I try to describe them, like you say the same thing about the Road Warriors, they're in sync, they're similar but different. But mm. like you just said, in every you want mat wrestling, you want power wrestling, you want tag team wrestling, you want anything, you're gonna get it from the Steiner brothers. To this day, and I, I guess I can't count anyone who came before them. I was not part of the. Midnight, Midnight Express era, whatever era is before that, but from the time I started watching onward, to me, they are the greatest tag team of all time. Yeah, I think it would be very hard to find someone um, to to go over them. So, you know, if you, if you feel out there, listeners, that you have a team that's clearly better than the Steiners, you know, let us know. I'm at Spectral Gents on Twitter. We have our uh, LOP thread, LOPforums.com. So talk to us about great tag teams, but I don't know if you'll convince us that uh, anyone is above the Steiners here. I don't know if they ever tried their best. <laughs> ever or just in WWF? Just like you get like to me, you almost feel like it's effortless. Like this is like seventy five percent of what we can do, but like if we did anything else, like we would just be outside of the what you guys think is the norms of human potential. <laughs> <laughs> If they did any more, they would have started tearing those big muscles. So maybe it's for the mm. best that they held back a little. And to your point, I don't think that the Steiners are past their prime here. I just don't think that, that they're, they're going to get any kind of run in WWF that will rival the opportunities they had before this. Oh, sure. I mean, they're never going to be like the bar was set so high with like Sting and Luger and the, in the, the interactions they had with them where they were, like, a tag team, but also, like, in the main event, practically. Um, you know, they, they had other times, but that's the one that came to mind. So, no, they're not going to be so integral to the company as they were there. That was just impossible, because they are a tag team, because it is WWF. You know, it's just not going to happen like that. But still, still, this is the first night of uh, more than one, I think, where the Steiners are going to be, to me, clear uh, and above the best match on the card. So, like, they are, they are in here to do some wrecking. Yeah. And I might be misremembering. I know the road warriors are not the same. I'm glad they're in WCW when they come in in the mid nineties. Steiners come back. 
I don't know if it's opportunity or talent, but at that time it felt like to me the Steiners were not. I was not as interested in the Steiners then as I was even here and then before this. It's understandable. I mean, I've watched through that run of Nitro, and I think they are still a great team, but uh, you can see... I mean, if you want to put their peak at, yeah, like 91 or so, uh, it's not like a plateau. Like, they peak and, like, there's a, a decline. But I think it's a slow decline because even in 96, maybe even in, in 97, they're still very fun to watch. I think it's not until 98 yes. they split up, Rick Steiner kind of, like, falls apart. You know, that's a whole different story. But still, like, even a reduced Steiner Brothers tends to be very entertaining, I think. Oh, yeah. I love the tag division during that time. Yeah. I'm just trying to think when they were not as exciting to me. Mm-hmm. And it's not this WWF run. If, if Vince had decided that either one of them was Brock Lesnar here in 93 and they came in like that, they would have. They, I think they would have stayed on the level they were in WCW. Yeah, I but think it's just, it, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I was just, that's entirely possible, like, for what they could do. I agree. I just don't think, I don't know what it is, but listening to Vince, like, call them on Raw, he didn't seem like he found them to be the most interesting thing or he wanted them to be. And he was, and that matches, like, what Bruce Pritchard said, which when they went to him about Scott Steiner, he he really, really did not see that. So I think, I think the Steiners are as good as they can be in the WWF. Probably so. And I mean, that's just the weirdness of Vince McMahon again. I don't know if it is like the steroid thing, because certainly Scott Steiner doesn't look like he went off the steroids. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I don't know. You'd think he would appeal to him, though. So I don't know if it's the way he talks or that he was from WCW or what. But, yeah, somehow that just never worked out. I mean, there's going to be that disastrous run where uh, he is, in my opinion, very much set up to fail in, uh, what, 2003 or something. So clearly... Uh, it was never going to happen, but um, but you don't know why exactly, so it's it's a bit strange. And I will say, just like with Savage, if you want a hell of a wrestling match and two tempers that could pop off, a Scott Steiner Bret Hart WrestleMania match like could yield uh, certain qualities. Absolutely, I mentioned before. At some point, we're going to talk Steiner's versus uh, Brett and Owen, and then we're going to get a taste of that. And I think uh, what we will see will prove that that could have been something very special as well. Yes. I, here, somewhere early in the notes, I, I wrote down, "I want more Steiner offense." And then I wanted Beverly Brothers jumped up and got caught me there, and that's Rick Steiner slam. <laughs> I've never slam. been tired of their offense in my life, and then what thirty years. We're 30 years in right now. Yep, yep. Oh, they're so good. And, like, we're not we're not uh, talking about the Beverly Brothers hardly because, uh, you know, they're the second team in this match, clearly. But, man, they also are doing a great job in this. Like, this is not a one-man thing. We, we have passed, like, almost overnight into a much better tag team era for the WWF because now we got Steiners, Head Shrinkers, Beverly Brothers are kind of getting some more shine and hopefully we're really putting away like natural disasters, nasty boys, like all these other guys. So fortunately we are really coming into a a great, if maybe kind of brief tag team scene for the WWF. Absolutely. It is such a breath of fresh air to watch four qualified wrestlers and not either two or zero. <laughs> Way too uh, much of that. Agreed. With the Beverly brother, Scott does a double arm, um, underhook. He's about to hit the tilt of world. The other Beverly brother comes out the rub and takes his head off with a clothesline. Mm. 
so good, so good. If you slept on this match, go rewatch it because I think, like I said, it's a great match, uh, maybe the best on the card. And th- this is a card that I really like. You know, uh, a few matches could be contenders for number one, but this is the one that I would go with. It's funny too because one of the Beverly Brothers tries for just a straight suplex, and the fans already start cheering because. <laughs> just the idea that he's going to suplex Scott, like they're already on to like what's coming after that that attempt. <laughs> How could you not be? You know, after all you've seen, they're just they're something special, man. You watch the Steiners in an era like this, you're gonna get something special, I think. Yeah, I will say two two things. So like, one Scott's coming off the rope when he finally hits the tilt of world, so the guy ducks and he just comes off the flow into it. And then the other thing is. On a similar note, is there anything more impressive in the history of professional wrestling than when he hits a Frankensteiner off a guy running off the ropes? Oh, my God. It's so beautiful. Um, the Frankensteiner is one of my favorite moves ever, just for the way he hits it. And um, just for his size and build, like, he shouldn't be able to hit it so beautifully. And, yeah, when he does it on a running guy and he just slips him over and just, just like, pile drives them, basically, yes. <laughs> out of this flip. <laughs> Like, there's very little, I think, that is as cool as that. When do you go from, I've never tried this before, to I'm going to try this thing? <laughs> I think when you're Scott Steiner and you maybe don't care if your opponent lives or dies, it helps. Uh, so. <laughs> well, we have seen so much, like, evolution and advance since, what, 1993. We're almost 30 years off of this. Mm-hmm. And when I saw that Frankensteiner... I, I still like looking at it like I've never seen it or anything like it before. <laughs> it's beautiful stuff. I love a muscular, powerful, agile guy. Uh, it's why I gravitate to folks like Brian Cage now. But yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody is quite like Scott Steiner before or after. It is weird that I never would have saw that coming up. And I still, like I said, I don't know if I can go with it, but you definitely believe that people who are paid just to think about talent would at least say hey how about this guy it certainly would have been interesting to uh see some of the matchups he could have had as a singles guy at this time i mean uh, yokozuna of course bret hart like you said but like undertaker's in there um mm. you know razor ramon uh bam bam bigelow's in there big boss man just just a lot of interesting stuff that could have happened in that run so we'll we'll just think about that possibility for a moment yeah, so the Steiners will get the win over the Beverly's. Like we said, we got great effort from both sides. But when you get Frankensteiner and pile driven in the, on the way down, you're not getting up from that. No way. And if you could, you wouldn't because who wants to go <laughs> through that again? So. Yeah, and they got other moves. They didn't even do a, the shoulder off-the-shoulder bulldog from the top. You know, yeah. there's diner lines that can just break your face. Yeah, they, they could have hurt you worse. Down. Yeah, so uh, just leave it alone. Stay down, you know, as they say. <laughs> so, yeah, we got the Steiner brothers winning. They're going to take this momentum to WrestleMania to wrestle the head shrinkers. Mm, yes, in another match, which will be uh, my favorite. I'm thinking about this, and, like, this is my favorite match on this card. At WrestleMania, it's going to be Steiner's head shrinkers. Uh, at SummerSlam, it may well be Steiner's and uh, Heavenly Bodies is my favorite. I think that's on that card. And then uh, I don't know about their other pay-per-views around this time, but, man, like, there's just a lot of great Steiner stuff coming up. So we're, we're going to be on a sharp lookout for that. I like it. I, I don't know if that's a take I've ever heard before. I, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I like we'll that. see what happens. 
you would think that all the all this happening if you go is the the main event sucks and Bret Hart is carrying the whole promotion, but <laughs> you know, if the Steiners have the best match on several shows. We'll see. Maybe. I mean, usually when you talk about Steiners in the WWF, I feel like you hear, Oh, well, it was a disappointing run and um you know, we talked about why that might be true from one perspective, but man, I don't know. I was not disappointed when I watched the Steiners, so we'll see what happens here. Unfortunately, they're in an eight-man tag at King of the Rings, so I think that streak will get broken for you. Yeah, probably so. So I think they can go straight through. I remember that. Some with the smoking guns, they're coming in, but they're good too. So I don't know. Whoever they're up against might depend on that. So. Yeah, I think I saw a little bit. I was watching an old Lex Luger shoot, and I think I saw a little bit of why nobody liked him. He, he was telling a story about uh, the Steiners were very upset about their pay in WWF. Smoking guns were coming in. And Luger, and Luger's friends are the Steiners, and so this is his friends he's talking to. He's like, well, you know, you got to understand that they're paying two of you. Uh, so, you know, someone like me and like superstars, like single stars, you know, we are the main attractions of the show, and you guys are more like the garnish. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow that doesn't surprise he's- me. Um, Lex Luger seems like the kind of guy who might put his foot in his mouth a lot, so I will. Um, yep. Uh, I was just thinking, though, man, like, clearly this would have never happened because it's two WCW, but to see Luger and the Steiners be aligned in uh, the WWF, man, that would have been something. Here's how bad the All-American gimmick and the, all these not-Lex Luger gimmicks. He's going to team up with the Steiner brothers at Survivor Series, but yeah. you're going to think that they still never did anything with them. <laughs> hey, that might be still the best match on that card, too. I'll have to watch it again, but um, I don't know. I might get four out of five in 1993. That's a big deal if you do. That's, uh, to me, that almost Bruce Pritchard might have it right. You know, if, if Scott Steiner's having the best matches on the card, you know, it's, it's, it's at least a, it's at least a thought. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Or maybe you should just treat your tag division better. You know, yes. So <laughs> it could be that too. That is a good point. Who would ever think of that? Though? <laughs> he said he'll still see Rick Steiner. And Rick Steiner like to this day, and Rick Steiner will be like garnish, huh? <laughs> Then he pins him in the locker room. Yeah. Yes. Right. Oh, that's why he said it. Uh, he he is always he's been embarrassed since that day. <laughs> Incredible. So maybe the best moment on this whole show is they do a a, a clip of Marty Jannetty versus Shawn Michaels and what led up to it. And the first thing they say is they were tag team specialists. <laughs> <laughs> the narrative lives on. They're still drilling down on that. Oh my gosh. Imagine being so bad at tag team wrestling, though, that you're the only people who ever became tag team specialists and you never won the belts. <laughs> That's a shame. It is a shame, yeah. Well, when, you, when you're dragging around Marty Jannetty, I guess, as Sean would yeah. say. So. We're going to go up to the ring. It is Shawn Michaels, who is the Intercontinental Champion. He's defending against old friend, now rival Marty Jannetty. And what we have here is an issue of sensational Sherry because she is going to be at ringside but we don't know whose corner she'll be in. Yep, first time since she was hit with that mirror, and um, we don't know what she's going to do. Shawn Michaels is kind of like playing to her, but uh, she's very stoic, and uh, yeah, we really just don't know what's going to happen here. So we'll get into this as we go. I feel like this angle was all wrong for Sherry, and it's going to be a weird match to talk about because there are aspects of this that I think are great and there are aspects of this that I think miss the mark. And I think this is also the match where Marty Jannetty got, like, so stressed out beforehand that he felt like he did a bad job and maybe he got, like, 
temporarily fired out of it or something. Like, I don't know. This is so weird to think about this match, but we're going to get into it here. Yeah. It's also a build to WrestleMania. So this is the kind of stuff yeah. that in a lot of eras you would see on the TV instead of on the Royal Rumble. That's so weird, too, because in this era, how often does the WWF build, like, a, a... I guess sometimes they do, but I don't know. I just don't think of them, like... If I saw this, I would think, like, yeah, it's probably done, you know, and it was done, so I don't know. It's just, it's kind of weird to think about. Yeah, I feel like if you're going with Marty Jannetty, this is another, we're going to see with the Lex Luger choice, stupid decisions that we can't talk about how stupid they are because they didn't happen in WCW, but <laughs> if you're Marty Jannetty and you were through, they threw you through a, a window, and then when you came back, you sent, you sent Sensational Sherry to the hospital, and now you come back and wrestle and you can't win the belt. Like if, even if I'm a Mario Gennetti fan, like I'm tired of this already. Right, right. Yeah, no, it's uh, the whole Gennetti thing is going to be so strange because I feel like he'll get fired like five times in 1993 yes. alone. And like he'll keep coming back for the same feud. So it's going to be very weird. Yeah, Marty's got a lot of struggles. And I don't know. I don't know what he can and can't be. I don't know if we ever see that potential. But yeah. I agree. And this is how I feel about a lot of matches on the show is that they could have been better. I see spots where it's like, okay, this is what it could have been throughout, but it's too much. They're doing too much to, you know, if Sherry was against Sean, it wouldn't make her with Marty, for example. <laughs> you wouldn't think, but yeah, the way they treat it is very strange. I'm looking it up and it is so strange because like, I don't see that, like, the the story is, like, either Jannetty, like, didn't sleep and he had a bad match, or I guess Shawn Michaels maybe said, like, he was uh, drunk or on drugs during the match or something, and man, I didn't see that at all. Like, if I saw this match, I wouldn't be like, oh, we need to fire Marty Jannetty, you know? Like, there are a lot of guys I'd fire before Marty Jannetty based on this match, but that's the that's the feeling of it, so I don't even know what to think about that. Like, it's a very odd match when you look at all the different pieces, yeah, it's hard to even get your head around. I will say this. When I saw the SS on Sherry's face for Sensational Sherry, at first I thought it was the million-dollar symbol, and I almost <laughs> wished the, ne the next few had been Ted DiBiase being like, I was okay with everything else you guys are doing, but you don't get to treat her like this, and, and Ted DiBiase tried to avenge his uh, whatever she still is to him. <laughs> yeah, Michaels and DiBiase. I don't know if we ever got that. I think uh, would have been a lot of fun. So I, I like Break that up idea. Money, yeah. yeah, yeah. Please, like they're not. We don't need money, Yang. It's fine. <laughs> I think this is just bad for Shawn Michaels too, because mm. instead of elevating Marty Jannetty, it almost makes Shawn Michaels a rocker again. Yeah, I don't think it worked out the way they thought. Um, it's so long. Since yeah. this thing happened, like, if this had happened right away, that would have been one thing. But it's more than a year out, I think. So, like, is anyone even thinking about this anymore? I guess so, because people still talk about it. But I don't know. It just felt strange. I think they will hit the right tone maybe in some of their later matches. But in this one, yeah, it just didn't seem quite right at times. As you said, too, they were building it before Survivor Series. Then they acted like it didn't happen so they could do Survivor Series, which also had no build. So yeah, that was a mistake, I think. I don't know. So I, let me look at my notes and see what I can find here. <sighs> the announcers, of course, are fighting over um, 
who Sherry's winking at, smiling at, and cr- who's, when she's crying, when when who's on the offense. So yeah, there's a lot with Sherry here, and I love Sherry. I think she does a fine job with it. But um, the Sherry I know, you know, whoever she didn't like, she would just walk in and like knock his lights out, um, or at least she would pretend to faint so that someone would like come help her. She wouldn't just like stand there and wring her hands. So to me, this is kind of not quite right for Sherry. I think. I think the only part story-wise I could make sense of is that I think she would still like to have her boy toy and have her fun. And she kind of knows that she needs to do what she needs to do, but she seems to be holding on a little bit. And it's never going to work out because, like, Shawn Michaels and Sherry are just, like, they're, just, they're both very selfish and self-serving. So, mm-hmm. But I think she's probably afraid that she helps Mario Gennetti, that somebody will think she's with Mario Gennetti, so that might be her struggle at ringside. <laughs> <laughs> and who would ever want that? I understand. No. So. I don't like his offense, his hopping around and his tassels, and I don't know. To me, like I said, if we're getting, if Randy Savage can't be in the world title match because we're not in that era anymore, then like one rocker can't be running around being a rocker. <laughs> yeah, if it was one thing to shelve, that probably wouldn't have been it before Savage, so... Uh... Yeah, I don't know. I get the sense maybe I like this match more than you. Um, I think there's some very good stuff in it. Uh, you've got Sean, and he is uh, great. He has really come into his own, I think. And um, Gennetti, you know, he's got his ups and downs, but I think he has a, a fine showing at times as well. So, I don't know. I like this match um, maybe more than you. I think I like it. Um, this is okay. this sort of first match is my favorite match. Mm-hmm. It's just like when I, when I thought about his potential, yeah. it just... It, it doesn't hit right. And plus, I, I'm trying to find notes. I know I got positive notes, but I'm working my way through some of the other stuff. That's totally fine. And I definitely get what you mean. It feels like on paper, this is like an iconic feud. Yeah. This will kick up some like great stuff on Raw. You know, they had the great initial segment. So you'd think this would be a home run. And it's just not quite. It's got like these drawbacks that you wouldn't expect. So it definitely isn't as good as maybe you would hope. And yet, it is still very good, so it's like, it's sort of in that weird space in between. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Gorilla Monsoon said they were almost as close as brothers. Bobby Heen says, almost as close as you and I, and Gorilla says, oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't deny it, though, you see. So, uh, oh my gosh, Monsoon and Heenan. Man, I just watched the Nitro, where uh, Monsoon has passed Mm. away, and Heenan does his... um, tribute on air that uh you know allegedly he wasn't supposed to do and um just the friendship between these two guys and the way they play off each other on screen is so special you want to talk about special in the world of wrestling i know we've talked about this before we'll talk about it again as they kind of finish their business this year but man this is one of the most special pairings in all of wrestling history yeah absolutely and I, I, I've already skipped a lot of notes, but if you watch this show above anything else, I might recommend it for the commentary because I don't know if somewhere inside they knew that these were not going to be many for the future. But this is like a Grand Slam performance. They get like 17 bits in in like three minutes at times. It's just it's just beautiful. Yeah, no, they do an incredible job. They probably had some sense of it because you look around. And everybody getting, like, pushed aside for new people. you got to think about something there. Plus, you know, soon Jim Ross will be there. He'll replace Monsoon on uh, on Challenge. I think Monsoon's health was kind of, like, shaky through this time. He wasn't always around uh, like he used to be. Just, 
I don't know. They're definitely making the most of it, and uh, it is a great, great commentary performance, just like you said. Yeah, it sometimes feels like they're trying to get get out, get all the greatest hits in. <laughs> and man, I don't know. It's beautiful. I turned the page though, and like I love. So you get a lot of. Uh, I think Sean's trying to wrestle a little slower, letting Janetti have that baby face energy. So Janetti will catch him every time Janetti hits a move. He starts laying in punches. Michaels tries to get away. To me, my favorite spot might be the outside because uh, Michaels is on the outside. Marty Janetti jumps off the top rope and catches him with a punch to the face. Then Marty Janetti rolls back in the ring and he goes up top to, to do it again. And Shawn Michaels this time jumps up in the air and punches Janetti in the face on the way down. Yeah, there's great moments like that which make me not understand why this match was considered poor by some and by uh, some backstage as well so i don't know if that was just like a politics thing or what but to me a lot of this match delivers very well that's a great example that you just brought out here yeah i also have the same note that you said that Shawn michaels is looking more in his element uh mm. than he has at times michaels kind of kind of he does that runs that shoulder to the post mm. you know trying to injure Janetti, starts working over the shoulder uh bobby heen says that'll make your shirt fit funny <laughs> he also recommends, I think, uh, pile driving Janetti on the steps as a, uh, a great amateur wrestling move. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's so beautiful. He says, crack, crack his head open and break both shoulders. Good amateur move. <laughs> that's beautiful. What a guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there's great moments. It's a smart match. Like I said, when you said your favorite match is a tag match, and I said it was one of my two, you know, this is the other one for me. Oh, wow. Well, there you go. Uh, Ray. I'm very, very, very disappointed in Bam Bam and Boss Man. I'm going to put that out there. And Same, uh, unfortunately. Uh, I think Razor and Brett could have been better as well. I think, to me, Razor and Brett in this match are similar in that I really like yeah. both, and both feel like they could have been like a Grand Slam, and they weren't. So, yeah. yeah. And maybe that's not fair, but, you know, all you can do is kind of call how you feel when you watch it. You know, we watch it, then we talk, you know, who knows, but... There's it just reason. feels like there's moments where it shines and then it kind of drops off or too much is happening or it just doesn't consistently sometimes do the job for me. Right. I mean, nobody's out here, I think, talking about the greatness of the Royal Rumble 1993 pay-per-view. And I think uh, there's probably a good reason for that. As great as it looks on paper, it, it's on paper. It looks like an amazing show and it just turns out to be like a, a, a very good show, you know, a pretty good show. And um you know, that's just not going to cut it, you know, when you kind of had more potential on the table. So I get it. It is a really good show, but it's not maybe what it looked like it was going to be. Yeah. I think, too, like you said, if it wasn't Sherry, this would also be a lot better because Sherry, I don't think, would take this long to make her decision and slap Shawn Michaels. Right. You yeah. know? But I do like that when she does it. All of a sudden, Michaels is like trying big punches on Marty and failing at everything because he's so flustered because he really <laughs> is so arrogant in this gimmick that he thought she was just going to come down and be in his corner and that would be that. Yeah, it's a great showing by Michaels. That's another piece that tells you how much he is in his element now because I think maybe a year ago he wouldn't have done this quite so well. Yeah. I don't want to. Marty hasn't wrestled that much in a while, and I think some of their matches might possibly be better, but if anything's lacking, it's definitely not Shawn Michaels, because this has been one of his better matches since his singles run. Mm, I agree. You know, so what separates this, you know, what separates this from a Shawn Michaels versus Rick Martel with Sherry, you know, is there's only one difference. 
Well, I mean, you compare Rick Martel to almost anybody, and you're going to come up short, yeah. so that's a high bar, especially that beautiful, beautiful SummerSlam match. But, yeah, I don't know. I, In some ways, I like this better than the uh, Survivor Series Brett match, so. I, oh, I think this is probably better than that. That, to me, was just, ooh. I don't know how you even look at it, because you, you got to judge it. It's the main event world title match, and it's got no energy, no fan reaction, no heat. Yeah. And they do way too much wrestling, and not and and don't try to remedy what is happening. So, I think I definitely I think I would take this match over that one as well. I would. I mean, that match uh, it had its moments, but it's so dry you could hardly chew it. Sometimes this match, yes. like, it's juicy, you know, for better or worse. It's got a lot going on, and I I would prefer this match. So Bobby Heen deduces that Sherry is a bimbo, just like Mister Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it's sad, like. What was the point of this? To turn Sherry face, maybe? Like, did they want to put her with Janetti? What's the point of that? Like, I don't know. I would have put Sherry back with Sean in the end. Like, I would have I would have flipped it around. I feel like that yes. has more. Even if they don't stay together, I just can't imagine Sherry, like, going with Janetti or even, like, going against Sean for Janetti's sake. So I thought the same thing. I don't know where I wrote that, but... You know, it's not yet time to do it. And, you know, you want to put heel heat on both of them. Have her come down, you know, and say, like, he did what he did. But, you know what, the sex is good. (laughs) (laughs) She sang a song about it. You know, she's not going to get up easy, so. (laughs) But this just does nothing. And, I, oh, God, I'm hoping that I'm wrong. Sherry, oh, yeah, Sherry's at ringside for Tatanka at at WrestleMania, right? I guess she does go, or, Maybe she's with Tatanka? Like, I don't remember. She's there, though. Yeah. Because we get Luna, so. That's just, like, what's she doing? You know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, I hadn't thought much of that till you said it, but it's just not. The, I get what they're doing. In, in like, normal storyline booking, that's what you do. But but Sherry would either move on to better things or, like you said, she would just be with Shawn Michaels and, and the heat would be the heat. Here's my question. Why... What did we do wrong in our life that we had that period where we had, like, the Mount Rushmore of great wrestling managers, like the big five, and of those five, the two we're left with in, like, a meaningful role are Jimmy Hart and Mr. Fuji, like, the two you wouldn't want. <laughs> Instead, we get, you know, Bobby Heenan is in the booth now, and Slick is a reverend, and Sherry is, I guess, like, a good person now or something. So, I don't know, we got cursed or something, because... That's not the way I wanted it to go. And we're a year into the run of Harvey Whippleman now. <laughs> Who? Like, we've barely seen this guy, and uh, that's okay with me. But, I mean, he he was managing Sid in the main event of WrestleMania, yeah. and now, like, we're going to see him with Elegante or Giant Gonzalez later. Oh, God, that's right. What and a so, career. Uh, oh, my God. I think somebody like, pointed what are out. We doing? Yeah, I know. It's wild. Um, I think someone pointed out, maybe in the, the, the LP thread, that Harvey Whippleman is actually uh, a very good person, which is nice to hear. Like, he helped El Gigante kind of in the later years of his life, and um, that's wonderful because wrestling needs more good people. That's great, so I don't want to go too hard on Harvey Whippleman, but I, I don't think I'm going to have much use for him as a manager. So Yeah. I think one other thing. There are times where the match picks up and feels like it's coming to the climax, and then it just doesn't, and it kind of resets again. <laughs> Yeah, maybe a little odd with the pacing. It's something. I don't know. I'd like to know, though, what these people sitting backstage saw in this match they thought was so bad that they had to fire Marty Jannetty. Because um, I just didn't see it. You know, I thought he did fine. How did the match end? 
Oh, what is it? Uh, the ref gets bumped, and Sherry tries to come in. She's going to hit Sean with her shoe. She hits Marty by mistake, and Michaels uh, gets the win off of that. And then uh, right. Sherry, like, runs away, which, um, again, is not what Sherry would do. I think she would just take that shoe and double down and uh, maybe go for Sean's eyes. So, yeah. you know, learn your characters. That's important when you're writing. But this is also, like you said, when we're moving into an era, at least temporarily, where, oh, managers are managers, so... Harvey Whippleman can be Bobby Heenan. Sherry can be. Sherry's not Sherry. She's just managed. She was Shawn Michaels' manager. Now she's like distraught manager. Yeah, it's not. She's not Sherry anymore. So I don't know. She's another one where like I'm just ticking down the clock so she can be with Flair and Harlem Heat and all the other good stuff she's gonna do in WCW. So. And it just was her first time being. I gotta gotta say this just a second, and you'll like this point. I think WCW gets a lot of flag for like, oh, they just signed a bunch of WWF guys, and they tried to just, like, kind of recreate WWF, and they, they were very lazy about it. And yes, God knows we made that same thing, but what they don't get credit for is how many incredibly talented folks they picked up from the WWF when the WWF threw them in the garbage for absolutely no good reason and gave them, like, a second life, a second career, and so many of those people went on to, like, knock it out of the park for, like, many more years, so... So I'm going to flip that narrative just a second and give credit to WCW for the things they did for Savage, for Sherry, for many, many, many others from this era. Yeah, shout out to that fan that comes in the ring to attack Hulk Hogan and uh, and Hulk Hogan ends up, I think, removing the, the I don't know if it's facial hair, there's a wig. I don't know if you remember Sherry's debut. <laughs> I do, I do. That's um, perhaps not the best example to uh, illustrate my point, but uh, indeed, yes, we will think about that as we go forward. But that's 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 more Sherry, though. Absolutely, it's way more in character than what she's doing right now. Yeah, we're gonna see a very a vulnerable, emotional Sherry, which we don't really see, and and Gene Oakland isn't having none of it. <laughs> Doesn't feel right. Absolutely. Sherry, damn it, settle down, Gene Oakland says. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, this thing just continues. See, like, it's like now we're trying to make it, like, hot. Yeah. For, like, a few, so that they can wrestle a few months from now, but yet, we already had him thrown through a window. So I just don't understand the pacing of it, of the feud. It's so strange. Like I said, he will come and he will go, and they will, you know, like, he will famously come back on Raw for, like, a surprise, and they will have kind of, like, a big thing there. So we'll we'll keep an eye out for these other things. But, yeah, this is the most truncated feud maybe of all time. Just, like, it will stop and start at a moment's notice, and you will never know, like, what will happen the next day, and not in a good way. And it's a very tangled response, so I apologize, because I feel like everything I was down on, I could also say something good about. And anything I could say something good about, I also have something I also have to kind of critique in that hey that's real life that's how it goes sometimes if you want us to be more even toned i think we can go to uh there's a brawl in the back and then after that we get bam bam bigelow versus the boss man <sighs> this is um <laughs> we're both sighing heavily about this so all right here's what it is you've got big boss man we both love we're very excited to see this guy and then you've got Bam Bam Bigelow, and I'm sure we've talked about him. I I barely remember what we said, to be honest. Bam Bam Bigelow, to me, 
he's not without his moments, but to me, he is one of the most overrated guys around. He's a big guy. He could do a moonsault. That's very cool. He didn't really do it that much, but he could do it. Okay, that's cool. He's sort of like a poor man's Vader in your mind. Um, but he's not even really that, you know? He's like, I don't know. And, I like, I remember him wrestling Barry Windham in 88, and he went on with, like, Andre Abed at one of those Survivor Series. So he has his moments where, like, I get excited about Bam Bam Bigelow. I see it for, like, a minute. But then, I don't know. This isn't, like, it's not the worst match I've seen. Like, it's just, it, it, there's, there's some fine things about it, but... I don't know. It's a big letdown for what I was hoping for when I first watched this. It, it's just very disappointing. I'm just going to read my entire uh, page of notes. So. <laughs> okay, go for it. Bam Bam versus Boss Man. Here comes WCW The Legacy Series, early WCW The Legacy Series with Bam Bam. Oh, I forgot about Bam Bam's theme. I really like that. Did Boss Man wrestle Bam Bam and Vader nearly in a calendar year? Gorilla Monsoon calls out Bobby Heenan's mother comments. All of these are exclamation points, everything that I've said. Mm. This one, not what I hoped. How come wrestlers who are not past their prime can seem like they've expired? Headbutt pin. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what a sad uh, story that told. And that's that's exactly (laughs) it. Like, you start with the excitement, and it just goes downhill as you actually try to watch this thing. I agree with you a thousand percent, and I know that this will get heat with some people, but... If Bam Bam doesn't want to be overrated, he needs to stop performing that way because <laughs> every time I see him, I'm excited. And he will have moments where he will do well. But, my God, there's so many times. And if you're someone who's putting his name – like I believe the great uh, Bruce Pritchard, who only uh, only speaks well of one promotion, puts <laughs> Bam Bam Bigelow over Vader. Jesus Christ. Yeah. If that weren't a signal to stop – I don't know how someone – I don't know if someone could have that opinion. Yeah. Like, what? Oh, what? I'm like hyperventilating here. So, okay, I got to calm down. But, oh, my God, even Vader's lesser WWF run, if, just look at his work in 96 and 97, and that's yeah. so much better than anything Bigelow did in this company. So, oh, my God, what a what a moron. Like, Oh, okay. I got to – I got to – oh, my God. I still feel like – and I – it seems too absurd to engage. (laughs) But I feel like there's a lot of people when I was growing up and through the years that almost felt like they were somewhat interchangeable. And I don't know – like you said, even the WWF stuff on Vader's better. And maybe these people never watched WCW. But if you watched – I don't think they know that Vader ever dominated a U.S. promotion because I think these people will say, well, he didn't live up to WWF, but he did stuff in Japan. I, I, if there are people who think that, I'm sure there are, but that's uh, very unfortunate. That um, oh my god, two big men that can do flips, and that is what Bam Bam is. It's not what Vader is. Right? Yeah. Like, get a life. Oh my god, I shouldn't yeah. say that, but you know, it's like it's just so wrong. Like, you try to be so open to other people's opinions, and sometimes they say something it's so wrong that you just want to lash out or something. Like, I don't know what to do. Okay. Bruce does it too perfect. Like that's the re- the response Bruce wants because Yokozuna is probably the greatest. No, Andre is the greatest big man of all time, and I love Yoko. He was he's a top big man, but it'd probably be Andre, then Yoko, then Bam Bam or something like that, yes. because Bam Bam may even at a WrestleMania or Big Show would be fourth or third or something. <laughs> 
freaking Big Show. You know. Oh, but, I like Big Show, but he's not. We're not having him in this conversation. So yeah. he's better than Bigelow, though. I'll say it, that. He's That's far cool. better than Bigelow. <laughs> far, far. The Giant is better than Bigelow. I don't know about Big Show, but Giant by himself is better. I mean. Bigelow, he's certainly better than, like, Earthquake or somebody. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but is Bigelow, exactly. like, he's not better than King Kong Bundy, you know, or anybody. So, I don't know. Like, Here's a question. Yeah. So, for folks, I know we got some folks who we really respect who, who are big Earthquake fans. So, mm. I wonder if they put Earthquake above or below Bigelow. And I think Bigelow will get some support because we're coming down so hard on him. But, you know, it's not always coming down the person. It's coming down the context that they sometimes get placed in. Sure. Like, this match, you said it right. It's not what you would hope it would be. It's not like a huge stinker or anything, I don't think. Like, no. It's, it's a fine match. Like, you wouldn't be offended by it in any other context. But just, like, feeling excited about it. Big Boss Man gets to have, like, one last match. I, this this is the last we'll see, I'm pretty sure, Boss Man. So for him to come in and fight another big guy who has, like, a reputation uh, of being, like, fast and agile, and be like, oh, that could be great. And I think, on top of everything, it could have been great, but it's Bigelow on top, and it's Bigelow being very boring, and I got to nice. place it entirely on him because he gets the lion's share of this match, and he does nothing with it. Like, he just... I don't know if he phones it in or if he's having, like, you know, physical something. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but it just, it's not at all what you would hope it would be on paper. It's Bigelow's coming out in a way, so you would think he would be top-notch for this, but they're, they're spooning for, like, a portion of the match. <laughs> you know, it's Bigelow. just it's slow and it's plotting. And yeah. I, I just, just if you want to, if you think we're out of control here, watch the <laughs> match and then go watch Vader and Bossman. Yeah, for God's sake. Oh, my God. Um, the difference will be enormous. But uh, I don't maybe Bam Bam Bigelow is one of these Randy Orton types where he weirdly, like, peaks at the start of his career. Because, like, in 88 against Wyndham, I loved that match. Yes, I remember it still. Match. And, like I said, we mixed it up with Andre at one of those Survivor Series, like, 87 or, uh, you know, somewhere around there. That was exciting. I don't know, like... Uh, Randy Orton and Bam Bam Bigelow both, like, have their moments later in their career, but I feel like in some ways they both sort of peaked very early and uh, maybe were never quite the same after that. I definitely get that comparison. For me personally, I cannot do that. Like I said, <laughs> I watched RK Bro versus uh, AJ Styles and his partner and is the best thing I've seen since I started is in the week or two I've watched wrestling. So. Yeah, well, well. And uh, me, I'll, I'll just say, to be clear, I think Orton uh, is a lot better than Bigelow as well. Um, but just as far as, like, if you made a graph of their career, I think you'd see some similarities. Maybe yeah. it's not quite on the same level. This is definitely not Bigelow versus Wyndham. No, we're uh, very, very far from that, seems. Yeah, Bam Bam's about to main event WrestleMania in a year or so. so. Yeah, in a, uh, two years maybe, so... I don't know. Maybe he'll maybe he'll have some moment. I've never seen that match. I've never seen that era so much. He will be in main events more than once, I think, through all this. And uh, I don't know. We'll just see what happens with all that. This is something else. That these are the guys. I don't know if he'll get better or not, but these are the guys that are going to dominate '94, '95. It's like mm. Diesel and Sid and Bam Bam. You know, there's definitely a flavor that's coming <laughs> uh, to the WWF in the near future. I just don't understand how you can watch this match and be like, 
one of these guys should stay and be a main eventer, and one of these guys should be let out of the company. And, like, you could say that if you watch this match, but then they made the totally wrong decision. <laughs> like, yeah. just completely the opposite of what they should have done if they were actually watching this match. So, I don't know how Marginetti gets fired for his performance, and then Bigelow gets, like, a main event push <laughs> off of his. So, nothing makes sense in the WWF at this time. It's also just, it's a, I think to say it like it is, the more you don't get guys that look like the Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan and Lex Luger because of, you know, Vince's fear, it's not like let's reinvent the promotion and just be Brett and Sean. It's like, why don't we try Sid, uh, because he's seven, like height-wise, why don't we try someone seven feet? Why don't we try Diesel? Why don't we try Bam Bam and Mabel? You know, they just find another way to 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 promote the big man. People are going to hate me, maybe, for this. But honestly, Mabel might be better than Bigelow. <laughs> I, I like Mabel better than Bigelow. Oh, okay. Maybe that's a good way to say it because, um, I don't know. We'll get into Mabel as we go along. But uh, I got a soft spot, so I don't know about that. I like Mabel as well. The one thing I can't really stand by is I, I think he injured a lot of people and didn't really try to do differently. Well, and we'll I, keep an eye on that because that is um, um, a, a downer. But, uh but yeah, I, I would take him. You know, Bigelow. I think partly because Bigelow's flame outfit and his flame head, it's like that's all he needs. Like he looks different and interesting enough that. But then nobody nobody looks at the man and says, "I wonder what it'd be like if he if he applies a a, a lying down bear hug for like five minutes." <laughs> oh my gosh! And you know what? If Mabel was in this match, he would have hit that spinning heel kick. So yes, something for you there. <laughs> And Mabel is like, I don't want to go, I just, you know, just condemned Vince for like the height and weight thing. But Mabel's also really, really tall at yeah. the same time. So, like, he's a different kind of specimen than Bam Bam, who is kind of not as tall, but just yeah. a bigger guy. For sure. Yeah, Vince will go for the tall and for the wide in this period. But yeah. again, it makes no sense because he's also going to push Luger and... You know, you can say he botched that push, and I think he did, but he'll still push him. Like, Luger will be in main events, he'll be in the yeah. spotlight, and he looks like he eats steroids for breakfast. You know, I love the guy, but, like, none of it, nothing about it makes any sense. It's just so strange. I don't know what's honest and what's not, but Luger will claim that throughout his WWF run, he was not on steroids. I... I mean, there are people with the work ethic or the genetics or both who maybe... I don't believe that, though. I just got to say, <laughs> like, yeah, his shape is not the same. Like, what he comes in tonight as and what he'll be in a year or two, like he's still like, here's what he said, because in the shoot and every every answer he said, like, I didn't I didn't worry about anything. I'm just so confident in myself. And like, yeah, that, it also became a running joke in the, in the shoot. But uh, like, weren't you concerned in an era where, you know, they're moving away from that kind of body? And if you're not going to be on steroids, that you're going to kind of lose, you know, what is your appeal? And he's like. Well, my thought was, I've got the best body in wrestling, so if I'm not on the steroids, and then they're not on the steroids, I'll still have the best body in wrestling. <laughs> and there's, so, some, okay. there's some logic to that. I suppose so. so. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, I, Scott, you, you mentioned it, but i got to do the specifics. Gorilla Monsoon says, I remember you made some derogatory comments yes. about the Big Boss Man's mother, which is a great callback to one of our favorite feuds. And Bobby Heenan retorts with, oh, big deal. So her goatee is a little thicker than his. <laughs> it's beautiful. Bobby Heenan's out of control on this show. 
Uh, he is not to be reined in by even Gorilla Monsoon. He is out of pocket, as you might say, and I love it. It's great stuff. Yeah. I have one wild booking theory that I'm going to give later on, but <laughs> I'm loving Bobby and Gorilla and what they're doing right now. Oh, they're killing it. They're so good. Oh, I sure... I hope the reason that they work together so much is because Monsoon was, like, kind of, you know, a little iffy on his health. I think maybe he had diabetes and some other health stuff, so I'm not sure. But uh, if he was fine and they just decided for the sake of, you know, oh, he's too old, if they just threw him in the garbage, then shame on them forever, even more than they already deserve shame. So they are so good together, and I wouldn't trade them for anybody. Yeah. It's amazing if you were watching these two and you said, well, they're not going to be together that long. One of them will be all the way through the run-up to the Attitude Era, but the other one will be gone. You oh. would think, unfortunately, that Gorilla would be gone because of health issues, but not Bobby would just be. I think Bobby needed the health insurance, though, for his family or something. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it was, like, bad terms. Yeah, there's a, there's something that's going on there. But uh, also, I'm so excited. I've never seen firsthand. We're going to make a point to watch this. Monsoon with Vader, Monsoon with Austin. There's a lot of stuff that I haven't seen. There's going to be some great stuff going on there. Absolutely. I look forward to that. Uh, Both had great runs. It's another one. It's almost more common than it's not the WWF. When someone is really, really hot, they either don't push them or they wait till they're not hot anymore. Like there's a, there's a lot of that. And that's not talked about the regular thing, but Vader's another one that they shot him off. Yeah. And then, you know, cooled him down. And so it, it's very common throughout the old and the new. So I don't know why they don't have more of a reputation for that. Yeah, I mean, certainly I think uh, nowadays they do because uh, people yes. talk rightly about the stop, start, push. But it's not really that new. It's just more prominent now. But uh, it always had some aspect of that. Yeah. We're going to go to Razor Ramon, who's going to be on the screen from last night, and he is going to take the belt. He's got gold around his neck, his fingers, and he'll have gold around his waist. <laughs> so I can see Scott Hall at a basketball game doing this promo. I don't know about Razor Ramon. I think he would have, like, knifed somebody. So uh, I don't Yeah. Know, but, uh, <laughs> you really got to watch that guy. <laughs> you really hair. do. Like, he's scary. So. I haven't seen it yet, but I keep hearing, I keep hearing about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, well, after this, you get Okerlund, he talks to Brett, and oh, guess what? He's a fighting champion. I never heard that before, so, all right. I thought Gene is Brett's manager in this run. <laughs> He's trying to glom onto him here, uh, but not for long, because Gene Okerlund won't survive the year either. He's got to go yeah. uh, connive with Fifi at Battle Bowl, so. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Great times. I still I miss WCW, the Legacy Series, once in a while. Me too. Maybe someday we'll watch through uh, the TV or something and uh, return to that era. So here's what I did not know. Before there was ever a boyhood dream, there was the eight and a half years. (laughs) Man, they really got their talking points for Brett down because, man, that's just over and over, man. And I'll say it's no prayers and vitamins like this. This spiel is not as compelling as uh, some of what we've seen. It's meant to be the opposite of that. And. And maybe in some ways that's good, but there's also some ways that that's not. It's yeah, like, I mean, of course I'm not a Hogan fan, as we've talked about, but we've also praised them for actually being compelling, kind of in his early run. Yeah. And 
Brett, I think, is not clicking on that level, and you can say that's on Brett or on the company or both, but, like, I understand why, at this point, they're kind of looking around for somebody else to try, because if Brett was my champion and this is what was going on, I'd be like, eh, we can maybe do better. Like, let's try some other stuff and see how it goes. This is the second pay-per-view in a row that I started thinking that I was watching the IC title match. <laughs> it's funny, when he was IC champion, he was having, like, better matches and feuds, yes. I think, than this. 100%. So, so that's why I think maybe it's on the company more than Brett. So it's it's uh, something weird going on. I think it's a combination in that they're giving him a kind of booking that fits who he is, but it, does, it I think maybe it complements their own things. Because they're, they're, they're not away from just saying, hell, the man's not even talented, but he just stayed around so long, you know, <laughs> he just wanted it. <laughs> like that. The eight and a half years, maybe that's a good one-time talking point. I don't know, but it's not the thing to hang around someone's neck. No, no, it's not good. And they'll never, like, it won't be what Brett is known for. Like, I think it may be in his more successful title runs. Like, we will fortunately leave this behind, but right now we can't stop with it. It's all over. Yeah. Anyone who's also who has ever uh, watched Battle Rap, if you ever make yourself known for something and then someone flips that and destroys you off of it, you never use it again. And to me on Raw, when Razor Ramon said, you've been in the company eight and a half years, I've been in eight and a half months, and we're at the same place, you retire that narrative. <laughs> Absolutely should have, yeah. Razor Ramon, um, I like that. I think he's good at that, kind of flipping it around. I don't yeah. know what it is with Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. And, you know, God knows I don't really like Nash that much, but is there anybody better than, like, making your opponent feel small and kind of like flipping around whatever they think is good yes. about themselves. And like, God, they're just so good at like mocking people. I don't <laughs> know. Like that's not made me think a good thing, but like, damn, they're very good at it. So they are. And they, they did this um, behind the curtain and in front of the curtain. So. Oh, absolutely. Like this is their personality. I would just say, man, he doesn't do it so much now, but like, you know, Scott Hall, where kind of like wag his fingers in, like, make a face, you know what yes. I'm talking about? Like, if someone did that <laughs> yes. to me, I think I would have to fight them in life because there's just such a mocking gesture. Like, that would set me off, I think. <laughs> oh, my God. So, whew. You're so right, though. Like, Kevin Nash is – and he's very smart, and, you know, he can flip yeah. something. And anytime I ever hear about Scott Hall, like – like Nash and Michaels are mean and dirty and get rid of people in in any way possible. Scott Hall will always just ask a question, like, "Oh, no one else noticed." Like, you know, he's not like he doesn't even understand what the comment might do. But he, I'm just I'm just saying you're not seeing this side of it, and then like that just opens up. Uh, it's um, have you ever seen the episode of How I Met Your Mother where they have the glass breaking over their heads? Yes. You know, every time that someone says something about their friends that they've never noticed and they can't not see it anymore. <laughs> and I think that's what they're good at. Oh, yeah, you're so right. Like, Scott Hall totally seems like that type. And you know he knows, but, like, he'll do it in, like, a disarming way kind yes. of. So, oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, the click is going to be, um, oh, they're going to be everywhere soon. So this will be interesting. And how they find each other. And to me, that's. They can destroy anyone who, number one, doesn't have power to me, which is the worst of their behavior. Yeah. But then, like, other people who are kind of a little bit like them, but not as much. I think the the group that they could never penetrate was that Undertaker crew backstage. 
Yeah, them and uh, The Rock, uh, infamously, I think uh, they, or at least Michaels and Triple H, tried to kind of cut him apart yes. and famously failed. So, it uh, work. <laughs> you know, talent will out, I think, on some level. And just these non-sensitive types, they did not really have power over. So it's probably yes. for the best. That's why Vader will fall apart, though. They'll they'll go on him. And he, he was a very sensitive type by all accounts. So. You know, we'll see the the best and the worst, I think, of the click as we go forward. Yeah, you're right. That's a, such a you have been the master of uh, the Razor Ramon narrative so far in the series. Uh, I love the guy. He's probably my favorite click member. Maybe not always, but sometimes I think he's even above Sean. So I got a lot to say on Razor Ramon. So I'm glad that I can kind of bring my uh, appreciation for him forward here. Yeah. We also got Stu and Helen at ringside, so I did not realize we started this uh, so early. <laughs> They've been around for sure. I think they might have been um, the Mr. Perfect match. Maybe they were there. Some icy mm. match they were there for. So, like, they'll be around more and more. We'll see all the hearts you could ever hope to see at Survivor Series this year. So we'll, we'll look forward to that. I think in my most... Um, I shouldn't be... I shouldn't pop for this, but I did moment of the entire series... Bret Hart puts his sunglasses on somebody in the front row, and then Razor Ramon throws his toothpick at them. Oh, my God. Amazing <laughs> moment. Ah, that – the vibe of that, like, if they could have carried that into the match, you know, this really would be an all-timer. Instead, it's just, uh, I think, a really good match that maybe could have been better. But some things about this are legitimately great, and that, I think, is near the top of the list. Yeah. There are moments where I think that Scott Hall – is the most intelligent wrestler who's ever existed. I think he's up there. We've said it before. We'll say it again. You know, if he could have maybe kept his life under better control, we're talking about like world champion face of the company, even maybe Scott Hall. So damn, he is so good at times. It's not even either. Like I'm trying to make an entire gimmick out of how psychological I am and how much I know. These are just like, it's just tiny moments. It's like, he always knows Maybe it's social intelligence, but he always knows how to respond in every single scenario. Uh, he can do what I never can do, and that is, like, in the moment, I, I don't think he's ever really riled, you know? Like, he's always, he can think in the moment. He doesn't kind of get lost in his own mind, and part of it's that, and part of it's just great instinct, I think. But, man, he he must have been a terror, at times, like we were talking about in real life, I think, because he, he really has the ability to just, like, destroy people with his intelligence, I think. Yeah. He is the uh, nemesis of George Costanza when George thinks of that insult, that retaliation in the car. So he gets on a plane, flies all the way there, uh, sets up the whole scenario again, gets his rebuttal, and then right in the moment, the guy just comes back with something else <laughs> and ends up the same way it started. Yep. He's exactly that kind of guy. Another one. Just his open hand slap. I, I invite people to pause Royal Rumble 93 at either 5606 or 5607 and just look at the Scott Hall open hand slap. Oh, it's God, it's beautiful. The greatest uh, strike of its kind, certainly, that we will ever see. Man, even in his like worst days, he could still just throw that and just I would still pop for it. Like that's the power of Scott Hall. It looks so damn beautiful. Yeah, so that it's starting off very good, like you said, that pre-match stuff, the early match stuff, and it's a good match, but, you know. I don't know.
know what it is exactly, because it is a good match. Like, they're very good. Uh, it's smart. Like, Razor will hit his leg in the corner. Brett will go after it. And then uh, Brett will kind of, like, bang up his ribs. And Razor goes after those. It's nice psychology. Some nice moves. Like, a good comeback later on. There's a lot of stuff in this match that feels pretty great. And yet, somehow the pieces don't come together. To, like, this could be an all-timer match, and it's just not. So, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like, it's a great match that could have been greater. It's amazing to me, too, that, like, SummerSlam 93, like, part of the reason Luger can't be world champion is just, I guess it's not popular enough. It's not enough crowd reaction. And watch that matchup. There's no way that it's any less than anything that Bret Hart's doing on these pay-per-views. Yeah, maybe that's part of it. I don't know if the crowd was so into this, so that that's something... Uh, None of it feels like over the top, like I'm watching the world title be defended. Yeah. You know, this is a very quiet, I don't know, it's it's Sacramento, California, but it's only a few times uh, that the crowd really gets hot the entire night. Yeah. And that, it's hard to, like, that doesn't, that, it's not fair sometimes, because sometimes it's just the building and the people, but I think Savage is going to pop them big time, and a few others, Undertaker's going to pop them, I think, but... It's just not a night of, of like, like, the fans treating it like a Royal Rumble pay-per-view. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's the crowd. Maybe it was not quite right here for whatever reason. Um, I don't know. I don't know what reputation Sacramento has. Maybe they don't have one. Maybe this is why. So it's <laughs> just, um, yeah, it's just a bit off, like, from what you would think it would be. Bobby Heenan says about Bret Hart, his dad was a quitter. Rillo says, What? Oh, well, maybe it was his mom. I, I know it was one of them. <laughs> Stu and Helen will uh, definitely take a beating before this is all over. <laughs> Bobby Heenan is always, don't yell at me, T-Gorilla Monson. I, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever Heenan has gotten to, uh, it's great. He's got that, and he's got, like, uh, you know, you have to leave or you're fired, and, you know, he'll, yes. he'll throw out these great things where he's just so gotten to. And it's just, it's wonderful. I love it. What's not wonderful is the application of the sharpshooter at the end where he's barely got his legs even uh, tied up. Yeah, for an excellence of execution, uh, not the uh, best um, rendition of that particular move. Yeah, if he saw someone else doing that, that he would comment on it in a shoot. <laughs> Give him a four out of ten for sure. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the, the whole storyline is kind of that Scott Hall's legs are too long for the sharpshooter. And I think if he just did the sharpshooter the normal way, they would not be. But they turned out to be at the very end of it, which was a was not what was meant to happen, but it was an ironic twist in the match. <laughs> Indeed. And, yeah, maybe that's part of it, too, because that's not much of a, a hook, you know, to kind of put on physically here. So, I don't know, they tried some stuff, they tried that, they tried the thing with Owen. I forgot to say, before the match, Brett is like, ah, I will defend my family honor, and he never talks about Owen one time, like he never names him a single time, so maybe that feeds into your narrative there. Yeah, he probably wanted to say Blue Blazer, and if he can't say Blue Blazer, he's not going to say the name. (laughs) What a dastardly man sometimes. I'm trying to be fair, but I can't can't overlook these these slights. Oh, God. So Bobby Heenan's got to leave the booth after Bret Hart retains the belt. He has to have the greatest moment in his professional career as he unveils Narcissus. This is so, this is maybe 
the most extreme example of something where all the pieces are there for something great and it's just not coming together, um, which is sort of the theme of this show in some ways. Uh, a lot of it did achieve, but this achieves so little. Like, it's very disappointing. They hype it up. They've got the camera, like, following Heenan backstage, which felt exciting because they don't usually do that. He's out there. It's Bobby Heenan. It's Lex Luger. It's people I like. It should be good. And yet, it is just not good. It is, like, so awkward and, like, weird and, like, not a good fit. And I don't know. This is just not... I'm sure you have a lot to say about this. I'm going to back off and let you have your say. This is just weird to me. Well, the problem is, number one, we keep telling you that we're in an era where we got to move away from big guys because of the steroid scandal. And now the WBF is shut down and we are bringing in like narcissists for a pose down instead of Lex Luger to be a professional wrestler. Mm. I think that at the core of it. Plus, Bobby Heenan hated this. He didn't want to do it. He felt uncomfortable having to talk about Luger's body like this. So if Bobby Heenan isn't comfortable doing it, then, you know, like Luger's not going to carry Bobby Heenan. Bobby Heenan is there to carry Luger. So it's just a, rem- you know, it's also it's disrespectful to it, the longest reigning U.S. champion, the former WCW champion, you know, to bring him in as narcissist, as stupid as McFolia said. Like he didn't need that. Here's what, here's what I would like. I never thought about this till I watched this. So, when I first started watching the Royal Rumble, I thought that Mr. Perfect had already retired Ric Flair because we watched that. And I know you told us, hey, we're going to watch this anyway. But for a moment, I was thinking Perfect had already vanquished Ric Flair. And Luger was here to take care of that, mm. which is weird because I, I think Bobby Heenan is bringing him in to deal with Mr. Perfect. Yet he's managing Ric Flair, who is still planning to deal with Mr. Perfect. <laughs> so even that's a little weird. So my new thing is Lex Luger should have been Lex Luger. And unveiled, maybe in an interview, however you want to do it. And then Lex Luger should have won the 1993 Royal Rumble. Mm. So you bring in Lex Luger, and it's just for an interview. It's just for an unveiling. Ric Flair is Bobby Heenan's man, and Ric Flair is going to win the Royal Rumble. But we know, and we'll get into it later, Ric Flair is not going to win the Royal Rumble. Mr. Perfect is going to throw Ric Flair out, and Bobby Heenan's going to behave kind of like he does every time Ric Flair loses. But what if Mr. Perfect eliminated Ric Flair and Gorilla Monsoon says, you're not going to stand up, you're not going to yell, you're not going to do you got to be a broadcast journalist. And Bobby Heenan says, hey, hey, you win some, you lose some. You know, that, that's, that's what the Royal Rumble's about. You, you win some and you lose some. And the whole time, Gorilla's waiting. He'll bring it up later. You know, like, if you, if you got something to say, go ahead and say it. Bobby doesn't explode. And then at the very end, guess who Bobby Heenan has entered also in the Royal Rumble, who comes in and wins the Royal Rumble, making Bobby Heenan, along with Hulk Hogan, the only people at this time to be a two-time winner of the Royal Rumble. (laughs) There's mine, but that's not going to happen. Instead... Narcissus is going to flex like it's WBF in a steroid scandal when WBF has gone out of business and he loves himself and he just wants to look at himself and Bobby Heenan just wants to look at him and they have to remind us towards the end of this that it's also going to be about wrestling. <laughs> you know, and then the, the, the like you said last week so rightly, Bobby Heenan is using just like these old lines that he's used on everything uh-huh. and then it's just 
oh, Mr. Perfect's perfect and he's beyond perfection, so he is better than perfect. But again, Perfect's going to throw Flair out. Luger's not going to do anything to help. And he's also here to take out Perfect, but Ric Flair's still doing that. So there's things I like about the gimmick as it goes on. I think it has some potential, but Luger doesn't need to be this dressed in this level of gimmick. Lex Luger is more of a regular person than a, than a, than a character, I think. And it's just something that they're never going to get it right with Luger when it comes to gimmicks. This is the downside of uh, WWF wanting to really uh, gimmick up everybody because for every Undertaker, for every Razor Ramon, you get a narcissist, and um, it's just too much for this kind of wrestler. Like, not everybody needs this or should have this. Um, I mean, if they were serious about pushing Lex Luger, like supposedly they were at one time, the thing you're talking about um, could be a perfect uh, way to do that, you know, to have him come in and win the Rumble. Clearly they weren't so invested as they were going to do that, but man, do something different than this because it is awkward. And even just like, when I was watching this, I was reminded of just like the physical awkwardness of this because he will just be like in his mirrors. Yeah. He'll have like three mirrors around him and like if I'm in the crowd, I think I could barely see this guy because <laughs> yeah. he's just like in his mirrors and then, yeah, like, he loves his body, he wants to look at it. Guess what? You could do that at home, buddy. <laughs> yeah, your own camera, here. like a show is going on. <laughs> right, like, it's so weirdly staged. And then, yes, it is so awkward for Bobby Heenan. This is maybe the most uncomfortable I've seen him outside of sitting next to Tony Schiavone, um, mm. where he will be like, yes, look at his deltoids or like whatever <laughs> like just like stuff that bobby Heenan would not say he's not yeah. interested in he's not a body guy in the first place it doesn't really fit who he is but for one night he will have to like be vince mcmahon and like cream over all of luger's like individual <laughs> muscles so it's just so awkward and like you said like they barely remember to mention anything about wrestling like it's just tacked on at the end so it's just just bring him in as a baby face called the narcissist and let Vince McMahon in and bring him in. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like, in all seriousness, don't even call him the narcissist. Call him something, like, positive, and then just have Vince come and, like, yeah, do this exact thing. But, like, like he would at least sell it like he believed in it. So. You know what they could call him? What? The total package. Oh, look at that. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that's, like banned from the WWF, isn't it? But it was like, yeah. such a good nickname for him. So <sighs> Some people are going to wear gimmicks yeah. and some are going to be worn down by them. And I've already, I said, like, if you want Sid, the difference between Sid and Luger, if you want Sid to be better than Luger, is Sid sees everybody in the crowd. Luger already feels like someone who's in his own head. Yeah. Now he's in his own head hidden by mirrors. So all we have done is covered him over another layer. So every time they give him a gimmick, and then the whole world's like, oh, they gave him the best gimmick ever. The gimmick is doing the opposite thing because of the person that they're putting it on. And that doesn't mean Luger's failing. That means you don't have the fucking common sense to take a gimmick and fit it with the wrestler. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look at Luger at his best, connecting with the crowd in 88 and 97. He's not doing it through some weird gimmick. He's just, uh, you know how he connects with the crowd? He looks at them, he moves his arms up and down 
side to side. Yep. He's going to rack somebody like that. Yep. People go nuts for that. You know, let him just do that. That's all the crowd connection he needs. Instead, we got all this other stuff. So it's not it's just not needed. I've always said the the rack across America tour, which is a low key. I always look at wrestling as matches, but he was so hot that the fans are losing their mind over the torture rack. Was better than the Lex Express tour, so, so much uh, you know. But we can't say that because it was so <laughs> genius. And even Lex Luger, who doesn't think about anything in the promo or the, the shoot, I just saw said, even when Vince told him about the American thing, he thought he was going to slam Yoko and wear the red, white, and blue to, and to SummerSlam, and then that would be the end of it, and then it would be like a total package type babyface. <laughs> Luger was not too savvy, was he? No. Um, <laughs> Ah, too bad. This is so, we'll, we'll kind of bring these together because the Royal Rumble will be next, but because of being in Caesar's palace, uh, Caesar is going to like read the intro. And so another part of me thought that Narcissus ought to be with Caesar and this ought to be like some kind of horror movie that Caesar is just trying to bring them all into like Caesar's palace where he's going to torture them all and kill them. So, <laughs> you know, anything that you want to do, it gets, it gets to be, I said Vincent Man should have just worked for Disney. Uh, I think um, I don't think Disney wanted him. So <laughs> yeah, it's just it's, it's a strange time. It is. I also was thinking this is the last thing I'll say because Luger's about to be on a really hot run where he's gonna be a, a debuting heel that knocks everybody out in like ten seconds. And of course, there's got to be foul play because a, a heel is winning successfully. They never played this, but like here's the thing: if the referee. How many matches have we seen in the past where someone wins and they cheated mm-hmm. and they say, well, the referee didn't see it? Yeah. Which referee saw him using a steel plate in his arm? <laughs> I don't know. These referees can't see Hogan uh, raking everybody's eyes, but somehow they got X-ray vision for that. So <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I think they should have pushed that. Like if, if he was, if they really stayed with the narcissist longer and Bobby Heenan was really his manager, like I think there's a lot more tricks they could have got out of the whole still play thing. Yeah, yeah, I think probably could have. So, what a weird thing that is. Like they will show a lot of like close-ups of his arm, and man, that looks weird. <laughs> like, I, yeah, something like they were obsessed with that briefly, and they will really get into it. So I don't know what to make of it. That's always been conflicting because I started watching wrestling in the summer of 91. So what is that? Six months, seven, eight months, eight months after I started watching, he left wrestling altogether. Mm. You know, this was the big return. And he was still my favorite wrestler when he came back. So he was still good enough that he's my favorite wrestler. But man, you know, even watching this, like Bobby Heenan's big build up and then the narcissist. I always liked him for Lex Luger. I had to like him in spite of every gimmick WWF gave him, not because of it. <laughs> and where is that narrative out of there? Oh, I'm sorry. It must have been tough for young young Shane, young Mystic, to uh, not only deal with all this, but uh, wasn't it one of your brothers ran out and kind of like bombed you with this news about yeah. the steel plate? So what a cruel circumstance. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, my older brother, because he's a Hulk Hogan guy, and – it's amazing because he hadn't been the All-American yet, but he already didn't like Luger because Luger, the comparisons that have been made. So he comes running outside and like they just announced he's got to still play in his arms and none of his wins mean anything. He hadn't really beat anybody. And I think I was like, I'm not watching wrestling anymore. I hate this stuff. It's all fake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, 
I'm glad young Shane recovered from that or we wouldn't be doing this now, but, uh, yeah. that's mean, man. Brothers can be mean. Yeah. Well, you know, especially it's really punching down to him. You know what? Well, Hulk Hogan's already at this time, probably a five time champion, four or five, depending on where the, it's revealed. Mm, yeah. And so, and Luger's a one time champion. So just don't punch down so much. Should have thrown back. Well, just go watch Thunder in Paradise. You know, <laughs> that, that would have been punishment enough, I think. Oh, man. I will say, uh, finally on this, I went and found some All-American, like, promos around SummerSlam, and he had all these sit-downs, like, who is Lex Luger with Vince McMahon? Mm. And they're all, like, two or three minutes, and I can't sit through the entirety of one of them. Oh, wow. He's so bad. He's wearing his red, white, and blue, and Vince will be like, yeah, all you care about, you know, it's all about the American blah, blah, blah. And Luger will just laugh. And he's just, I've never seen him laugh so much during promos. He kept laughing every time Vince made one of the statements. And it's just awkward. It doesn't fit. Luger said in the shoot that he had a vision of who Lex Luger was. And even babyface Luger to him was not that, doesn't, you know, dress like that and act like that. And he just, I don't think he ever got his head around it. I think it exposed everything that was weak in Luger and it restricted everything that was strong in Luger. Mm, yeah. I'll say this, I mean, uh, God knows I've been the champion of uh, Sting Slander at times, but how much do you think he was missing Sting around this time? Yeah. And just having, like, that that connection to somebody, because it really feels like Luger is just, like, out on his own at times here, and just, like, nobody to help him or support him or give him advice. So that's uh, you got to think about that as well. There are some rumors, too, that not only Bruce and Pat did not want Luger to win the belt, but I think... Some of the superstars may have even made some threats and kind of gone to Vince about it because Luger was very aloof and wasn't really friends with anyone, and he was about to take the promotion in a direction that a bunch of them did not want to see it go in again. So, how when the same thing happens with freaking Ultimate Warrior, how does it just slide off his back like water? But when it's Lex Luger, oh, I guess we better like screw him over. So. Yeah, and the funny thing is Vince loved Lex Luger. Like, apparently they spent a lot of time together. They worked out together. They did all kinds of stuff together. So it's amazing. And I think it's the last thing I'll say because we'll definitely do a Luger episode. But part of me believes that Vince conceded to the mob at SummerSlam while still thinking that if they're wrong. Because what he told Luger is WrestleMania 10 is such a big, big thing that – if it's still hot and if we do it, like I'd rather it be at WrestleMania 10. Kind of that was the kind of last minute thing when he told him he wasn't going to win it. Mm. And so I do think if 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 Vince was thinking about going with Luger, and you make him world champion, what do you do at WrestleMania 10? You know, for the big WrestleMania 10 celebration, if you already have your babyface champion. Mm, yeah, but then why, like, who put a gun to their head and made them do the SummerSlam match? Yeah, you thank know? you. <laughs> So, I'm trying. This is me trying to play devil's advocate. Like I didn't. You're already running circles around me. You know. <laughs> it's just nonsense. And I will just say, like, we'll talk about it when we get there. But you could have done everything just the same and just not have Luger celebrate the way he did. And I think you would have yeah. regained so much ground with that. Like that is the nail in the coffin. So I don't know if they they told him to do that or if that was just a wrong like a miscalculation on Luger's part or what? I don't know what the story is, but nothing is more damning than that post-match celebration. Well, they had to have told him to do it because, like, people come in to put him on their, put him on their shoulders. Oh, you're right. Yeah, it's not just spontaneous. So that was the plan, clearly. Yeah. 
ridiculous. And balloons come down from the ceiling. Oh my gosh, embarrassing. I'm embarrassed to think about it. I have a visceral feeling of embarrassment when I think yes. about that. So. And he never acknowledges it. They come on the next day and celebrate. Like Vincent Luger celebrated. You know, you can't you can't do worse by a human being and then have the narrative the rest of the, your life that it was completely the opposite of that. Oh my god! Yeah, like ah, I failed! Yay! Like how can you fail if you never got a shot? Is also my question. And yeah. even Luger said, "I didn't think I'd be a long term champ. I never thought I would be Hogan." But, like, I thought probably I would win the belt and then maybe I'd lose it back to Yoko or something like, you know, Survivor Series or, you know. Jim Cornette, apparently, who just assumed Luger is winning the world title, went on a TV show and said something to the effect of, well, if Luger didn't win it, he'd look like the biggest idiot, you know, around. (laughs) (laughs) But that's true. Yeah. Like, with all the power of America behind you in the most, like, gung-ho saluting American company that ever existed. For all that, and then you don't win the belt. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. You are the biggest idiot, you know? So, yes. Oh, my God. That's the thing, too. Like, no, people who love the patriotic stuff and people who see it as problematic, the one thing that they would agree on is that it's about domination and winning. Right. right. You know, and so <laughs> you don't please anybody in this because nobody says, I don't, Hulk Hogan defeats Sergeant Slaughter by count out. Let's celebrate. Oh, jeez, yeah. Hulk Hogan would burn the building down with the fans in it. <laughs> That's the price. He was very clear about that, so. Yes. And he would still have Hulkamaniacs, and, you know, he would be like, you look at what the price that everybody paid for this, yeah, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. And we're not going to do that again. Yeah, for sure. Can you imagine Hulk Hogan sitting on the shoulders of, of other wrestlers celebrating his count-out victory with Sergeant Slaughter? <laughs> And also, if you really want to get at it, this is Lex Luger's first shot. So this is Hogan never beats the Iron Sheik. Hulk Hogan beats the Iron Sheik by count out and sits on people's shoulders and gets balloons for it. Yeah, imagine if he won that match by count out and then he went back and got like the champagne with Andre and like that whole yeah. segment. How stupid would that have looked? So he would be back in the AWA by like winter. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god. So. We kind of did our Lex Luger episode there, but we'll probably <laughs> do it again later. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Okay, so on to other things. Bobby Heenan will go back to the booth excited, uh, but that excitement will quickly fade because number one coming out in the 1993 Royal Rumble is Nature Boy Ric Flair. <laughs> Very bad luck with these uh, draws in the Royal Rumble yes. early on. Oh, my gosh. Two former WWF champions, though, starting out with Bob Backlund as number two. I was very excited about this. We talked before. I'm set front. I understand Bob Backlund in this run is uh, very cold. He's not really that exciting to fans, and I get it. But personally, I am a big fan of Bob Backlund, even in this run, even as a, kind of a baby face before he kind of goes up to the next level in this, uh, you know, by turning heel. Um, just in these first few minutes, I felt like they had – such a nice, like, exchange, such a nice chemistry. I probably could have just watched them two wrestle for quite a while here and been very happy. Bob Backlund is a rock star in this. Mm, yeah, no, he he's the, he pulls the, the reverse flare where he comes in, like, first and goes out in the final three instead of coming out third and going to the end. But, man, like, he's holding this rumble together. This is, I think some people are down in this rumble, and I get it. It's kind of what you mentioned at times. Like, you're just kind of, like, struck by how 
thin the roster seems, and I get that, but I really enjoy this Rumble. Um, And part of that, yeah, is definitely Bob Backlund, who will really hold this thing together. Yeah, the fans are almost, they're always quiet or nearly mocking him when he comes out. Earlier, it's more like that, but by the time it's over, he's even, he's getting respect reception. He wins people over. I really think he does, you know, so... I really like Bob Backlund. I'm going to praise him more than once in this match, I think. Absolutely. Shango comes out next, uh, sprinting a little quicker than he did at WrestleMania. I'm so sad that I was wrong, and we do actually have to watch yeah. Papa Shango. But um, just look at least how far and how quickly he fell down the ranks, so at least there's some justice in the world. He gets thrown out, I think, in about a, a minute or so by Flair Yeah, and it's well. the same way Flair threw Sid out, too. He catches that one leg and flips him over the top. <laughs> Well, they're probably about uh, equal in terms of skill, so it's it's it's, it's about right. <laughs> so that that puts us back with Flair and Backlund, which we'll see we'll see a lot. It also creates another urgency in the booth because even Flair's not only going to get eliminated, but then Bobby Heenan's going to be worried all night about Bob Backlund breaking that time record. <laughs> yes, yes, that was a very nice uh, touch as well. Uh, who gets thrown over? Bob Flair throws Bob Backlund over, and Backlund lands on the apron, and Bobby Heenan says, that's good enough. He uh, he went over the top. <laughs> <laughs> yep, no, that's a great one. That's great. Um, <laughs> was it at some point, uh, Bobby Heenan says, uh, <clears throat> oh, I hope I'm in as good a shape as Backlund when I hit 40. And Monson yeah. says, you'll never see 40 again. <laughs> Bobby Heenan says, call the action, call the action. Nice. Yeah, Bobby... Bob Backlund being 43 is like the most insane thing that's ever happened in the world of professional wrestling. <laughs> what is oh Ray Flair, 40? Yeah, this is incredible, especially because now they're putting on pay-per-views where like two people on the whole pay-per-view are under 40 now. Yeah. So like, it's shocking, you know, that uh, <laughs> this was like a thing at the time. Ted DiBiase will come in. Brian Nobbs will come in. I, we haven't seen the uh, Pity City much, but we get we're we lucky enough to see that here. <laughs> lucky and enormous quotation marks, of course. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> poor DiBiase, man. If I were to DiBiase in 1993, I'd be like, that doesn't work for me, brother. I'm not doing Pity City. <laughs> so yeah, he has really the fall of Ted DiBiase is, is an astonishing thing to. And he's tag, he's tag champion for like a year, and when I'm talking about the fall of Ted DiBiase, so he may be tag champion now. Like yeah, I. I wouldn't know it, but he could be, so... They should be soon, because they're going to wrestle with Hogan and Beefcake for the yeah, belt. Yeah, I think they must be, so that's, oh, that's absurd. So. Virgil, this is also how weird, how far we are. Either how far we've gone, or like how this doesn't feel like WWF. We're going to get stuff like Strike Force, and we're about to get Virgil and DiBiase, and it's like, oh yeah, I forgot that they were supposed to be a thing in this company. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, a lot of stuff a lot of people in this match will remember history better than the WWF does, so yeah. I'll just say it that way. We see the debut of Jerry Lawler, as far as I, I think in ring on the ser- on the Legacy series so far. Yeah, he comes in, he does uh, my favorite Lawler thing, which is just throw great punches. I think uh, yeah. as much as Jerry Lawler is not for me at times, I don't think you can hardly find a better puncher out there. I agree. He's also very smart. I think in the future, it's like. Jerry Lawler is one of the first people to open up the the concept of why did if you're in the Royal Rumble you have to be thrown over the top rope then why even hang out in the ring like why not just be outside the ring the whole time? 
Lawler will have uh, a lot of lows, but he will have some really good highs as well. That's a good example of, yeah, I mean, Lawler was smart. He was a great wrestler. I'd say he's a much better wrestler than he ever was a commentator, so I'll, I'll just put that out there right now. Yeah, this is also disappointing with this crowd. You get a lot of things like Flair and Lawler go at it. There's a lot of places where I think they expect a pop, you know, in kind of a big moment. And you get a couple of those, but a lot of them, just the fans just no-sell it. Yeah, if they'd done this show at a, a hotter venue, then I think maybe people would look at it a little differently. Yes, I agree with that. Uh, we get Genichiro Tenryu coming out again, just making another random appearance at this time. He and Flair start chopping each other right away like they never stopped having that match in Japan, <laughs> so that was nice to see. Absolutely. Another guy, I won't give Mr. Perfect this. He has been, he's been getting some of the best receptions in the WWF. Hey, he has, yeah. I love Mr. Perfect. He's actually been very over since he came back. Um, <laughs> it always puts me in a spot because part of me wants to take this and be like, wow, he should have been world champion because I love Mr. Perfect. And yet, it, it just doesn't feel quite right that he would be kind of in that conversation. But man, I will enjoy just about everything Mr. Perfect does in the rest of this run. So I got to give him a lot of credit for that. Yeah. He pops the crowd more than most on this. Uh, Bobby Heenan screams, oh, my God, no, when he starts running out. So you know you know who he's going at and know what's about to happen. Uh, you do, yeah. They they come out. Heenan screams. It's a great moment. He goes after Flair right away. And, man, they really go nuts on each other. And it's funny because they already taped their uh, kind of final match. So they really had nothing left to prove. And yet they, they're working overtime to, like, sell what that encounter is going to be. So another great showing between these two for the time that they get. Yeah. This if probably, I even as an adult, I might think Perfect or Savage is going to win this thing. Hey, I wouldn't have cried about it. If Perfect won, <laughs> he's a guy who, like, if it were my money, I probably wouldn't put it on Perfect. But just as a fan, like, if yeah. he won, I would have been over the moon, I think. Um, so this is great. And, like, to your point, I don't know if the crowd is hotter all night than they are when Flair and Perfect are doing their fight right here. Like, this might be the biggest reaction of the whole night. I went to get something from the kitchen because we had uh, Tenaru and Max Moon and others. <laughs> and all of a sudden, like, I hear fans for the first time. Like, and so I rushed over and they perfect. it was all perfect, though. Oh, it was. It's all too short-lived because he is thrown out. Uh, Monsoon says, Flair is gone. That was perfect. And Heenan says, no, that's not fair to Flair. And uh, uh, probably the last time you'll get to say it. So uh, we'll say goodbye to that beautiful catchphrase. Yes. I think something else that Gorilla Monsoon stumbles into is what happens if Flair or Perfect wins the Royal Rumble and then loses the retirement match. Ah, yeah. Yeah, they really put some emphasis on that in a very nice way. So that would be interesting because would they be gone from the company, but they have one right to come back for WrestleMania, or would they have the right to sell or, or give away that uh, <laughs> shot? You know, they, it would be. A, I'm very curious about what the fallout would be. Uh, as we as we learned when Ted DiBiase tried to sell the title, uh, WWF does not plan for these things, so yeah. I think they would have had Jack Tunney scrambling to come up with something. Uh, Skinner is 11, so if you. <laughs> Don't take us down like that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what a come down. Oh, my say? God. <laughs> uh, I'll just say, Flair is livid when he gets eliminated, and um, he sells it very well, as you might expect. Um, it's a shocker, because he is Ric Flair, and he won the Rumble last year. So right, even, yeah. if, you know, even if he's on his way out, it's a shocker. It is. It is for sure. Um, 
Next thing that I have a note on is Lawler will get out, but he will be so angry he will pull out Mr. Perfect. He will pull a Hulk Hogan. And, hey, maybe that's a heel thing to do. Like, uh, surprise, surprise. But uh, that will be the elimination of Mr. Perfect. Yes. Bobby Heenan says the bad thing about the Royal Rumble is anyone can win it. (laughs) (laughs) It's not usually how they advertise the Rumble. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Bobby Heenan... um, He's, uh, he's in a bad mood for some of this. He says at some point, I hate everyone equally, no matter who they are. And Monsoon says, the feeling is mutual. Nobody likes it either. And then Heenan mm-hmm. says, oh, you like me and you know it. <laughs> Which is a beautiful little moment between them. They know. Everybody knows. They know. They know for sure. <laughs> Bobby Heenan says to Gorilla, take your headset off. You and I are going to go at it. And there's a pause. <laughs> he says, if it wasn't for my bad back. <laughs> Oh, when he has to pull back from something he said, it's a beautiful thing. So we get Coco out, we get Samu out, Berserker, we get, um, Berserker and Backlund like having an intense moment. They will fight through the ropes. They will go out to the floor, not eliminated, but uh, they will get slammed on the concrete here. So Bob Backlund backing down from nobody. One of my favorite things is a weird reversal of babyface heel roles. Like all of a sudden. Mr. Perfect and Bob Backlund have been helping each other, and then they just kind of shoot into this, like, where they try to both take each other down, and they're just tangled up in the ropes, neither one of them relenting, and Jerry Lawler just comes over and cracks their heads together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a great moment as well. Another great Bob Backlund said, moment in here. <laughs> Perfect, like you said, eliminates Jerry, and Jerry's not having it. Um, I think Bobby Heen calms down a little bit when he figures out Perfect's not going to win the Rumble. <laughs> Yes, he evens out a bit there. Jerry also has a nice moment when he's almost at the curtain after his elimination and Paul Bear and the Undertaker come. He just, like, falls backward. <laughs> yes. Lawler, you know, the things he did well, he did very well, so I can credit for that. Um, Undertaker does come out. Uh, Bobby Heenan says by the time he gets to the ring, it will be WrestleMania. Yes. Which is a nice uh, forward look to some of the long Undertaker entrances. Um, he will he will go on a nice tear here. He will eliminate uh, several guys, I think. So it's a nice showing here for Undertaker until something happens, and I don't know how we're going to talk about this. Yeah, we get the Hogan Diesel push for Undertaker. He just snaps Samu. Samu's whiplash over the top. Undertaker's clearing the ring. Apparently Terry Taylor's still in this company. I didn't know that. <laughs> Gone and back uh, again, actually, I think. Aside from a guy or two on the on the – Outside, Undertaker clears the ring, got the whole ring to himself, but should always make you uh, pause in a Royal Rumble. Here comes Whippleman and some kind of hairy giant uh, uh, being. Um, this uh, this one I'm just going to do straight because if you will, if you want to make a case for how bad Giant Gonzalez is, this is your opportunity to do it because not only that, but who is the agent for this? Because not only does Giant Gonzalez, he steps awkwardly, he wrestles awkwardly, but then who decided maybe he should just put his leg around the turnbuckle and work over the leg? <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the strangest encounters I've ever seen in my life, and none of it is good, and I feel bad for Undertaker, and now I understand why he complained like he did. I feel bad for El Gigante, also, our man. Um, we showed some love for him in uh, WCW unexpectedly, so... I never I felt know. like this with Eligante. It's true. He does. He feels like a different guy. You're right about that. It's um, another stuffy, stupid gimmick, too, the WWF. They're so good at giving these gimmicks that ruin, you know, anything that WCW guys could have. 
Like I found him charming, even if he could never wrestle. And so to make him like give him a hairy face and a hairy outfit and act like he's from a different world. Yeah, this is one of the weirdest ones that you will see. Cause like, I guess in WWF you figure you gotta cover up this guy's body somehow. But why put him in like the ugliest, stupidest outfit yeah. of all time that just looks terrible? And like, I don't know who Vince McMahon or somebody looked at this and was like, yes, I want this on my TV screen. <laughs> and like. That alone has to disqualify him from any claims of genius. I'm sorry, yeah. like it doesn't work that way. So, it's, so, it's sad because you can tell where the heat is supposed to be. The announcers almost say it is like, "What is the history between these guys?" <laughs> and there's no history. There's He's no. just out. They're just both tall. <laughs> you know, is what's happening. <laughs> So he is so tall. He's got that going for him, I guess. But it's sort of better if he had just. Uh, Stayed in the locker room and reached out his arms and just pushed out Undertaker. That would have been yes. better. That's what he did at Chamber of Horrors, basically, so why not? And then you wouldn't even know how the Undertaker got eliminated. You have to watch Raw to find out who's like who was attached to the arms. <laughs> that's, that's good booking. Unfortunately, I thought he was going to do the uh, Bret Hart thing where you like do the figure four on the outside around the post before it was over. <laughs> <laughs> it's very strange, so... I don't know. I'll always have a little bit of appeal for El Gigante, but yeah, it's bad. Um, I don't know. This is right around the time also when uh, we kind of hit that stretch where it's like, are there people still in this match or not? Like, we're not yes. sure. So uh, it's IRS. It's Damian Demento. Bob Backlund is somewhere in there. That's nice. But there's a lot of uh, kind of losers running around this match. So that's probably the biggest point against it. And, they try so hard to sell it. Two or three people come out. They don't even get in the ring, but it, it's not good. And dancing with Missy Hyatt, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed not. Um, this is also, like, I talked about the roster seems thin, and they bring in a lot of weird uh, random people, like Tenryu was in. Uh, Carlos Colon will come in, yeah. who uh, you may know as the father of Carlito, big star in Puerto Rico. But, like, they don't really know who he is that well. Gorilla Monsoon who should know, but he calls him, like, a youngster, infamously. Yes. He's, like, 50 years old or something, so, so strange. He doesn't know knobs and sacks names either, and I don't know how that's the case. <laughs> right, like, surely he must see these people in real life, but <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't learn their names, so I don't blame him for that. So. My favorite thing is when Typhoon comes out and Bobby Ian says, Tugboat, uh, Typhoon, Buffoon, whatever he is. <laughs> He might as well be for all the points that he still has. I don't know if Earthquake's even here anymore. Like, is he in this match? Okay. Earthquakes? I don't, I don't feel like I see him. So, oh no, he was in here. Okay, I saw oh yeah, he's very, there. very prominently in here. I I, I forgot because I barely took notes on him because he's Earthquake. So yeah, the worst thing I, to me, one of the worst things in WWF the Legacy Series so far has been this tag division with the Bushwhackers, the Nasty Boys, Tugboat, and Typhoon. And if it's already bad enough and we had to pretend for years that some of these baby faces were prestigious and these matches should be happening, what Typhoon and Tugboat do in this matchup, just even if you wanted to give them credit to me, just degrades all of it. I'm going to assume you mean Earthquake and Typhoon, although yeah, I'd yeah, like to credit uh, Fred Ottman twice, I would understand, because they, they basically seem like the same guy in yeah. here, so... They just go at it like they hate each other. Like Not even because they have to. There's other people in the ring. They just straight go at it the minute they can. They do. They do. And we're trying to build Earthquake in two minutes 
so that we can give Yoko an opponent is what's happening. Yes, Yokozuna comes out and he also cleans some house, including tossing Earthquake out. So at least we're showing some respect to the right big man here. Yeah. So Earthquake and then I think we'll see more of Earthquake and, and Yoko down the line. I said, even though we had kind of this like slow stretch, and you know, I get that, but man, when Yokozuna comes out, I feel like this match picks up so much, like tremendously, and just from here to the end, I think this is uh, really some spectacular stuff. Yeah, we get Strike Force, so we got Tito at 25, we got Martel at 26. <laughs> I thought you meant their age, and uh, from their feud, <laughs> I think they're about like 55, you know, they've been feuding since, since uh, the 60s, it feels like, so... There's also no hacksaw, even though he was in promos in the weeks building up. So that's interesting. I'll be thankful for that. So maybe Yokozuna <laughs> sat on him already. I'm not sure, but uh. yeah, Yoko cleans house. You know, you kind of know until Savage comes out at the end. You really gotta know who's gonna win this thing. If you know. Yeah, he throws some doubt on it, but uh, Savage comes in last, and he also gets a huge pop. I think he's the only guy to kind of rival the perfect flare yes. uh, confrontation. So. But God knows we need to throw him in the trash can because he's old, even though he's like the most popular guy, clearly, in the company. The only other thing I'll say between here and 30 is that Owen Hart has a, brings a lot of good energy to this match. Oh, he does, yeah. He doesn't get to do near as much as uh, maybe you'd hope, but clearly none the worse for wear from Razor Ramon. Uh, knock him over in that chair. What if Repo Man had won it and just started repossessing the glasses and the jacket? And my God, all the way to WrestleMania. <laughs> Then we would not be doing this series, I think, because the company <laughs> would be long dead. So, oh man, so Savage and Yokozuna. So Savage wanted to put over Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels in the span of a year or two. Instead, like how about in two minutes you put over Yoko and get out of the way? <laughs> I'm all about Savage putting over Yokozuna, but they never let him do it properly. I think they'll wrestle at some point as well, but uh, it'll be kind of a short match. And like you know, if they had let him go all out, I think Savage could have put him over beautifully. It's sort of a little bit. Um, half-assed here though Bobby Heenan turns into a prophet and uh, for Wrestlemania 9 and 10 like within uh, like a minute or two he says Yokozuna will win the Royal Rumble go to Wrestlemania and win the title and then he says what if Owen won and wrestled his brother at Wrestlemania <laughs> you have some nice lines absolutely the insight of the brain you gotta love it um, Savage Savage pops the crowd throughout like he, the way he yeah. sells for Yoko and then comes back against Yoko is like the only other thing is perfect and uh perfect and flair that gets that kind of response. You know, honestly, the more I think about it, I think with this crowd, they probably came here looking to see like the '80s stars, like the guys you know that they knew from the past. Because like, who are they popping for most? Like Perfect Savage, guys who were big, kind of in that Hogan era. So yep. this is maybe kind of the first sign that like people are not uh, acclimatized to this new generation yet, and really never fully will be because. You know, they're kind of, they're in the, 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 the decline of popularity here. Yeah. And that's what this, this signifies, like, a change in direction, but not, I think that's, it takes time to build new things, and yet when you're used to certain responses and you watch a Royal Rumble that only a couple of times even hits high fan reactions, it's hard, it's hard not to, to have that stand out, even if you shouldn't judge off of that. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, our final four is uh, Randy Savage, Yokozuna, Rick Martel, and Bob Backlund. And, man, that is a hell of a final four. I'll just say that right there. Rick Martel is successful. 
to some degree in almost every rumble he's in, no matter how he's being booked. Oh, that tells you something about their trust in him. Yeah, yeah. He does a wonderful job. I think he held the, the, the time record for a while before Flair yeah. did, and he deserved it too because, uh, yeah, he is a linchpin in these matches. Man, so you're watching that. You know – let's see, who's the final four? I used to, I've watched 94 so much, so many years ago. It's either Fatu or Samu, Luger, Brett, and one other. And Vincent Man really goes hard on the whole final four notion. Yeah, yeah. So this year you would know. I, I guess they did a good job in that. I know Martel's not going to win it, but Bob Backlund, you know, at least has that little bit of a man he's been in it a long time, and then choosing between Yoko and Savage is not easy if you're watching it for the first time. Right, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, unless you've been paying attention to how they treat Savage, but, uh, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think they create uh, some, some real uh, mystery around this. Um Bob Backlund does take out Rick Martell, and man, what a beast! What a beastly run for Backlund. Almost an hour in, he's still throwing guys out, but finally, finally, Yokozuna will take him down as well. Yeah, I think best performance maybe of the Rumble is the Bob Backlund performance, especially with almost no fan response as a babyface and still performing like that. It's it's very nice. I think Backlund tips uh, who maybe Perfect or somebody for uh, for who would be next or Martel, but yeah, I'd take Backlund number one in this match. Yeah, and then again, Savage Savage uses the top rope a lot. You know, it's not really recommended, but you know that's not going to stop Savage. He is. Attacking Yoko from on high, Yoko's never fell down. It looks like he's got Yoko wobbly, but Yoko easily just takes over. You think he's going to dominate? Hits that leg drop, throw him over the top. Savage mounts another offense. He actually gets Yoko off his feet, and Yoko falls while Savage is going up top for another double axe handle, and, and Savage just turns it into the elbow. Mm. But yeah, you know, for whatever reason, Savage flips over, goes for the pin, and Yoko <laughs> throws him over the top rope from the mat. Yep, Savage never uh, never quite knew how the Rumbles worked, making weird mistakes at times. So, yeah, he would go for that pin. And I'll say how impressive um, that he was able to go from, like, down on the mat being pinned and all the way over the top. Like, yeah. like I, we know Savage, of course, is helping, but still, like, that's that's quite a, quite a distance to go from the ground over to the top to the floor. That's what I was thinking. Do you practice that or do you just hope you get it right? It's savage, so I assume he, he practiced and planned it all in advance, you know, yeah. if he had his way. So I just thought of the worst thing. If you wanted to send Savage to an early grave in 1993, let Savage win the Royal Rumble, beat Bret Hart, and then Hulk Hogan come out and do what he did at the end of <laughs> WrestleMania 9. Oh, somebody would have gone through a true early grave then, because I think Savage maybe would have um, yes. gotten a gun out of his car. <laughs> so, holy smokes. Um no, so it's a great finishing stretch, actually, and I think it gives you a little window into what Savage versus Yokozuna could have been. Um, I think in my kind of alternate, <laughs> more than a few times I kind of like plotted out in my mind what uh, Savage could have done if they hadn't treated him like garbage. I think you could have just as easily, I don't know the logistics, but if you do Savage versus Yokozuna at WrestleMania 3, I think maybe you get more bang for your buck than you would have with any Bret Hart match, to be honest. So, I mean, that's something that I would have at least considered if I had been uh, planning it out at that time. Yeah, Bret Hart's world title reigns to me as a top babyface begin at WrestleMania 10. Yeah, yeah, I would so agree with that. You, you got to know Savage. Savage right now can command the crowd better than Bret Hart can, except in select arenas. <laughs> 
So we just decided that this this is Vincent Man's negative legacy has to be in the things that he just decides. And he doesn't even make the claim, I don't think, that it's what the fans want or it's better or it's worse. It's just we're not doing that anymore. We're not going that route anymore. And how many bad choices has he made just off we're not doing that anymore? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. At times it just seems to be arbitrary, uh, Vince McMahon decisions. So it's a damn shame, especially with a guy like Savage, because it sure didn't have to be that way. Yeah. We got to heap all kinds of credit on Yokozuna, who yes. has gone from barely entering a stage this big to main eventing the stage. And, like, he gives no – he's not messing up. He's not fouling up the matches. You know, he doesn't look nervous. They just come in and they come. You know, it's not easy, but you, he comes in and commands the WWF earlier and longer than many, many, many people in the history of this company. I mean, where do we see him first? Survivor Series? Yeah. And this is the Rumble, and he's winning it, and he looks yeah. like he should be winning it. Like, he's that damn good. Like you said, he looks like uh, you couldn't have a more steady hand, practically. So I'm all about anything for Yokozuna. If anything, I think he maybe could have been champion twice as long as he was through this whole area. No, no Hogan BS. Just run him and run him and run him for a while until you're really ready to put it on somebody else. So that that's my feeling. Man, I'll just say this real quick because I, I never thought about the thing that you, you said about Luger. About, well, if you're going to have him win at WrestleMania, don't have the SummerSlam match. Mm. And if it went the same, to me, Luger was not popular enough by the Royal Rumble. Bret Hart should have won the Rumble in the world title. Mm. But if you're going to approach that, you could have Lex Luger body slam him, and then they pretty much start the campaign where they will wrestle anybody but Lex Luger. Sure, sure, yeah, I think that you would know, have built it up very I, hot. So there's ways to do it, but anyway, Yokozuna, this is a gigantic victory. Savage, again, this proves also there's two stories out there. Savage, well, he just said he wanted to be in creative and be an announcer, and then he got upset about it. And then there's other one where he actually wanted to be here and put people over. So what does the Royal Rumble make you think he wanted to do? <laughs> and I think, you know, I don't know why both can't be true, and I don't know why it has to be one or the other. Like, his commentary I could leave aside, but, like, if he wanted to do more work backstage and keep wrestling, let him, for God's yeah. sake. Like, why does it have to be one or the other? So it's just it makes no sense to me any way you look at it. Absolutely, because – Eventually, they want to make fun of WCW and be the new generation, but they're not there yet. Hogan's about to win the title at WrestleMania, so <laughs> how is it? Like Savage is also the man who won the belt at WrestleMania 8, so again, if he wrestled Bret, you'd have Bret Hart, if he wins, beating the guy who won the title at WrestleMania 8 and also who represents the kind of the golden era. So. Yep, the Nacho Man and the Huckster are still uh, all over the WWF at this time. <laughs> yes. That's coming. There's a lot of interesting stuff around WrestleMania 12, but oh, we'll get there. God. Yeah, they'll get very uh, petty and desperate at times. So, yeah. Instead, we're, we are coming up into this near impossible match because if I'm an adult, I never watched this Rumble. But if Scott, if Bret Hart can't get Scott Hall in the Sharpshooter, WrestleMania 9 is not looking good for the WWF champion. Mm, indeed. That was always kind of weird as well because like. I remember seeing Brett and Yoko at, at, at 9. I don't think I've seen 10. I don't know which one is supposed to be better. I don't remember it being, like, that amazing of a match. It feels like physically, with their styles, like, I don't know what Bret Hart can do to Yokozuna. 
And I feel like that came through in their matches as well. Like, it's just exactly the wrong kind of body type for Bret Hart to be able to, because you can't, like, maneuver him around. You can't, like, put him in submissions. You barely get your arms around him, you know? So, like, what does a guy like Bret Hart do? I don't know. We'll have to revisit that uh, in a few weeks here. But, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's a strange pairing for sure. Yeah, half the build of the SummerSlam match is that Luger can run into Yokozuna full speed and not be able to do anything to him. Even with that steel plate, so. Yeah, so what's, you're right. I think, I think there's about 17 ways to go to go to WrestleMania 9 differently and better. Yeah. But we're going to go to it the way that we're going to go to it. (laughs) And even if they had stuck to their guns, it would be one thing. I still can't believe we have this Hogan thing hanging over our head, and man, it is hanging like the sword of Damocles, and it is going to fall and stab us, so. <sighs> Even as a child, though, I will say that when in the build to WrestleMania 9, it felt like the only thing that they talked about with urgency was that Brutus wrestling his match and Hogan in that tag match. Which is so another I think sign that of... Decay. I don't think it's as big a surprise as it. Like in a way, it will always be because we, when do you see a wrestler just walk out to to care for another wrestler and get challenged at the end of the night? But it's like the moment they got Hulk Hogan back before he they saw what he could or could not do. I think they were ready to hand him anything that he wanted and go wherever he wanted to go. It's so much time to see what he could and could not do, though. <laughs> like, yes. He will come back along before WrestleMania. He will be on Raw. You know, he will be in these segments. You can see his body, Vince McMahon. <laughs> like, what is your, what, well, this is against all your uh, principles. So, I don't know. I guess they thought, well, every wrestler will have to look like this soon. So, you know, we'll just go back to our uh, Golden Goose and it'll work out. I don't know. It's baffling, though. Like, I've seen the build. And if I thought, oh, well, maybe this match will go on last, sure. Like, I could believe that. But still, never would I have guessed that Hogan would win the world title at WrestleMania. Yeah, because at this time, the thought that Yoko would go over at the end of WrestleMania, like even in my young mind, that's not fathomable. So you think Brett's got to beat Yoko because right. someone, Yoko can't. Because he's the heel. It's WrestleMania. Yeah. So. It's wild, though. It's going to be Hulk Hogan. Even as we build to it, I'm not going to fully expect it to happen. <laughs> The bones of Hulk Hogan are going to go over, so. It's so weird to see a skeleton with a mustache and a black eye. (laughs) How do you do that? (laughs) Oh, it's going to be so strange. Oh, my God. I don't even know how to think about it. I put put it like this. Hulk Hogan's run from 93 to 94. The best is probably... WCW where he wrestles Flair, even though yeah. that's not the best Hogan. Then Thunder in Paradise, and then what he's about to do in this run. And if he did a fourth thing, that would still be better than this run because <laughs> yes. this is this is at the same time I kind of get it though. I was, there was times I was watching this Rumble where I thought, where is the guy who comes out 26 who I don't even want to see but pops the crowd and dominates the thing? Sure, I mean if Hulk Hogan had come back as himself. That yeah. would have been one thing, but he ain't going to do that, so... Not. There's a reason he ain't going to slam Yokozuna. <laughs> yeah, jeez, the little twig arms would have broken, so... <laughs> oh, my goodness. You have your work cut out for you uh, in our in our uh, march to WrestleMania. Road to WrestleMania. There'll, there'll be some stuff. I'll find it. But, yeah, no, there'll... I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what we cover in there, because I like to include the good stuff, 
Maybe I'll have to put some bad stuff just so we can document the war crimes. But, um, you know, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. What, what's your Royal Rumble 93 takeaway? Uh, very fun event, which could have been an all-timer. I think I've said that a few times about a few different matches. Is how I feel about the whole show as well. It's not the sum of its parts somehow, or the sum of what maybe it should have been, and there's just a lot of missed opportunities, matches that are great, that could have been greater, matches which are fine, which should have at least been good, um, a rumble that has great points, but also like bits that stretch, and also, I was really feeling this towards the end, no promos, no number drawings, no, none of the hype that we would want to see for the rumble, uh, big missed opportunity there. So like something about the vibe is just off. So even though I had a lot of fun with the show and I would recommend it sans maybe boss man Bigelow, I just see so many missed opportunities here that it has to be a little disappointing. I'm glad you said that. Cause there's such an emptiness to mean that we don't get the promos or anything yeah. at any rumble, but especially at one where you have no idea who might win it. This is the first time that Virgil and Owen and all these guys could have a promo that is just as likely as anyone else. <laughs> yeah, so many opportunities. Talk to Backlund, talk to Flair, to Perfect, to Savage, to Yokozuna, to Undertaker. You know, build up the, the the yeah, I don't know. A lot of chances could have been in there, and it just didn't happen. I think my takeaway is just the historical coming out for Yokozuna. Mm, yeah. It's amazing. Like, in a year where they can't commit to a baby face, they're not sure what to do. The stabilizer in this company at the top, like we're going to have two stabilizers, I think, in the next future, Yoko and Diesel, and Yoko is by far the better stabilizer. I would definitely have to agree with that. I mean, look at the run we're going to see with Yokozuna. Um, he's going to be, uh, what, he, he showed up, he did a murder, awesome, uh, he won <laughs> the Rumble, awesome, WrestleMania, we're not going to talk about that, but then he's going to kill Hogan, Yeah. and then he's going to have... Uh, a really good, if flawed, match with Luger at SummerSlam. That's my yep. opinion. I feel that strongly. It's going to have that great mix it up with The Undertaker. It's going to be a whole feud. And then, yeah, like just, it's going to be a really great year overall, I think, for Yokozuna. And I, I'm very excited for it. On his way to WrestleMania, this man buries and kills The Undertaker. <laughs> yeah, he just before, does that on the side on his way to on his way to WrestleMania with the help of about like twenty other people. But yeah, absolutely. So yeah. I, I'm I'm curious to revisit that because I think I have a soft spot for it, but maybe I'll feel differently. So I think I, one thing I do want to watch is this because I love Yokozuna now. As a kid, you know, wasn't <laughs> feeling it because he was very much in the way of something I wanted to see. But <laughs> I think watch the best thing you maybe can do again. And we said this about other things. Maybe it will be Brett, like everybody says, but maybe the the thread, the pull throughout 93 to 94 is the Yokozuna thread. I think so. And I mean, if this was a company that was willing to get behind heels more and if they had not encouraged him to keep gaining weight and kind of like, you know, his mm. life sort of, you know, took a bit of a downturn. But if, if you put the pieces together a little differently, I feel like Yokozuna could have been even more of a, a stabilizing force for the WWF. I think he had so much to give more than he was able to give. And he gave a lot already. Yeah. I think on to me, Andre the giant has always been in his own category and nobody else is in it. Uh, Yokozuna is the WWF's Vader. Mm -hmm. I can see some truth to that for sure. Like, 
you say Vader and you're invoking something holy, so it's hard for me to like completely agree with that. But man, he is at least on the kind of the fringe of that. He is in that upper echelon, far above most people. So yeah. I, I love Yokozuna. And like his weight gain though is the only thing that stopped him. So yeah. it's not like he sucked half, like half his career sucked, half his career is good. So you know. He's just another guy that did the impossible. I think Vader would always happen for me because Vader also Vader to me is a personality. Yeah. Like he was the only guy and I love Luger and I like Luger's reign, but Vader was more like flair in that when he took it, he was a personality and a dominant champion. Like I fear no man, I uh, no pain, you know, all that stuff. Like Vader's WCW run was the closest I think they got to a flair before they got back to Hogan and Flair. Yeah, I, I will speak highly of Vader over almost anyone. I think um, too many people miss the boat with Vader, just with everything he did. Like I said, for Vader, when you say Vader, you invoke something holy in my idea. So he's on the top. The, like, there's no higher tier than Vader to me. I just want to say that we're going to see two one-year title reigns, I think. I don't know how – yeah, Brett won't do that. Uh, so – Watch Yoko and then watch Diesel, and <laughs> let's have a conversation. <laughs> As far you want to talk about Yoko and Vader, like this is about that same time where they are both uh, kind of like unexpectedly running over a promotion. Yes. Um, so yeah, I mean it's a hell of a time. Ninety three has such a bad reputation. I think at times it will be very earned. I think business was not too good. Uh, they were sort of like reaping what they sowed with kind of some bad decisions both companies made uh, earlier, but there's a lot to recommend from 1993 on both sides. So I, I got to give some love uh, to this year of 1993, which I think gets uh, more slander than maybe it should. I have never thought that about 93, you know, to me, wait, <laughs> wait till we get to 94 and 95, especially 95. <laughs> and then it's like, they, they just turned the power off and they all wrestle in the dark and, <laughs> You know, so 93 is always good to me, but it's just, I get what people are saying, especially if you're comparing it to, like, it's not the most successful time. It's definitely people are figuring things out. But, man, like you said, you got Flair and Vader in 93 and WCW, mm. you know. Yeah. So. You got Vader full stop with staying with yeah. uh, with anybody. You know, Jack. So. Yes, yeah, so good. So I don't know what it is. Like, 95, I think, deserves it. So we'll, we'll pile it on, like, the bad stuff there. But... All too often, I hear 93 kind of mentioned in the same breath, and I think that is way, way off, in that's my stupid. opinion. So that's that's a bad take, I think. I will not. Yeah, I will not abide that comment. I will not <laughs> even explore that. Absolutely not. Oh, my gosh. All right. I think that's pretty much everything we wanted to go over. So uh, anything yep. else from you, Mystic? No, nah, that's it for me. Beautiful. All right, we'll be back in two weeks with the road to WrestleMania 9. We're going to Caesar's Palace, and we'll see if he tortures us there or not. Um, in the meantime, uh, we hope that you enjoyed the show. If you uh, want to shout us out, as I mentioned, I'm at Spectral Gent, and uh, that is on Twitter. Of course, we have our thread and LOP forums as well. There's a lot of great written material there, as well as on WrestlingHeadlines.com. And last and definitely not least, all the programs on LOP Radio. A lot of great, exciting stuff happening in the world right now. Um, at the time we're recording this, in uh, the end of August, we're coming up very close to All Out in Chicago, CM Punk coming back with Darby Allen. That's exciting stuff. Over in WWE, they had uh, Roman Reigns versus Cena, which I know was uh, big to some people. 
Uh, NXT is going through this big uh, change, and nobody knows exactly what's going to happen there. A uh, lot of exciting stuff happening, so hope you will come check out join those conversations. Should be some very good stuff. So until we come back in two weeks, um, Mystic, go ahead and take us home. I think tonight is Nick Aldis versus uh, Trevor Murdoch. Also, yeah, Rick Flair just, will be in the uh, NWA. The night before this, they did their uh, Empower show with the, the women's show, which I saw got very good reviews, so I think I got to check out some of that at some point as well. So NWA kind of resurging as well. A lot of exciting stuff. Until next time, don't let the legacy be dictated to you. Rewatch, revisit, rewrite. Discovered creature Climbing on the mountainside You know that no one else believed me How about that? With green eyes and white stripes and salted tears I knew that these were just its cautionary features Keep telling myself nothing to fear it's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared The undiscovered creature The undiscovered creature I've never saw this one in a herd of myth of it Looks like it came from underwater I thought I'd seen Every life form But there it is An undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared Coming up